This is the Tame Aperture Podcast. Open the pod bay doors, Tom. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. Welcome to the Tame Aperture Podcast, where we talk movies from first-time directors, indie, art house, and much, much more. Today on the podcast, we talk the 1999 directorial debut of director Spike Jones and his fantastical comedy, Being John Malkovich, written by Charlie Kaufman and starring John Cusack, Catherine Keener, Cameron Diaz, and of course, John Malkovich. In this cult favorite comedy, unemployed New York City puppeteer, Craig Schwartz, reluctantly takes a temp job as a filing clerk for the eccentric Dr. Lester. While at work, Craig discovers a portal that leads into the mind of renowned actor John Malkovich. When he lets his attractive co-worker Maxine in on the secret, they begin both an unusual business scheme and an odd relationship that involves Craig's restless wife, Lottie. This is the Tame Aperture Podcast. I'm Gabe Vienendahl, filmmaker, film instructor, and movie enthusiast. And I'm joined today by Alan Martindale, veteran podcaster and editor. Alan, how the hell are you today? I'm doing great, man. We're watching John Malkovich, being John Malkovich. Love this movie. This, I love this movie. It's great. This is one of my top 10 of all time. Of all time? All time. Damn. There's no more. If I was to sit back and go, man, it, how about this? If someone put a gun to my head. Uh-huh. And said, you better write a movie. And it better be quirky. And it better right. be crazy. And if it's not, you're fucking dead. <laughs> I would hope that my brain would write John Mal- being John Malkovich. It's, I mean, it's phenomenal. Because I think I could present it to the person holding the gun to my head and I'd be alive. Oh, for sure. I mean, it, it's everything about this movie... And it kind of it, it changes tones kind of partway through it, but I still like it. Like it comes, it starts as a as a comedy, and I love the sense of humor that Spike Jones brings to this thing. I I, free, I love it. It's it's my type of humor. It's absurd and it's hilarious, and uh, it, it's it's almost like it's made for me. And then, but then when it kind of it doesn't really turn a whole lot, but it kind of becomes less of a comedy and gets a little bit dark. I like that too. Like for me, that's fun. That's the kind of shit I gravitate to normally. So this is this kind of movie is just made for me. This is this is written by Charlie Kaufman, which oh, so good. Just writes so many phenomenal for me. Like I'll watch anything that he writes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, of course, you know you talk about this film, and then you talked about director Spike Jones. I mean, he steps in, and one of the things I have a respect for is if uh, now Spike Jones had had done a lot of things before, not films, but he had done music videos. And really creative, um, really stylistic, and just has a real strong aesthetic to how he makes things. But this is his first film, and I think that it's right up his alley. But if you read, sure. if you read the, this is the thing though. If you read the script, you go, how how the hell am I going to make this? I, I can't even imagine. Well, let, let's not let's not brush past Spike Jones's most important contribution to the artistic. Uh, the sabotage the art, video for the, the Beastie Boys? The, the art of cinema, and that is obviously Jackass. Dude, <laughs> I love Jackass. That's right. Was he a producer on that? Uh, I think he was. I think he directed the movies, if he I'm not mistaken. Movies, that's right. 
Uh, but he was part of that crew. He was part of the crew. He was always part of the crew. Like yeah. he's in, he's in it, and he's in a lot of stunts. Him I think. and Knoxville are boys. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, going back to the CKY videos that Bam did, like I just love that shit, man. I love it. Super creative. It's the whole the whole punk rock aesthetic, the skater aesthetic, the the whole. Uh, and I don't want to get off on too much of a tangent, but like I just it, it was that was my generation, man. That he, was it. That was yeah, it. Yeah, and for me, similarly, like I agree. I loved Jackass too. Um, not the Jackass to the movie. Right. I right. also enjoyed Jackass. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but, but also the music videos that he brought to the table. Like I, I did, I was a big Beastie Boys fan. So like, oh, of course the, the sabotage video, it's, it's, the sabotage video, where did fantastic. that come from? Right. Right. Like, the conceptually like it's amazing has nothing to do with this song. Right. Right. You nothing. know what I mean? Right. Like, exactly. But the detective old seventies, exploitation kind of style look like that's amazing it's fantastic yeah it's amazing so spike jones is great and later does a film called that we were talking about earlier and he's done a few others but uh her love with, her. with joaquin phoenix and that's a great movie it's so good uh you, you it's hard to fail if you have joaquin phoenix true i just think true. he's such a good actor he really is he really um, is but we won't we digress because uh, we want to talk about being John Malkovich. But Spike Jones is great. So for directorial debut, you know, some of the films we've done in the past few episodes, some are hit and miss, some mm -hmm. don't, they're, they're not swinging out the gate. You can see, kind of see their learning curve. Matter of fact, we, to, to, we talked about um, Clint Eastwood's directorial debut, the play Misty for mm -hmm. Me. And it's like, it's not bad, but it's not good. It's right, like just right. kind of in the neutral area. It's a filmmaker finding his feet right. for sure. Uh, then you have "Look Who's Not" or "Look Who's Knocking at My Door" by Martin Scorsese, and you're like, eh. "I hate that movie so bad." We know you hate it. <laughs> I'm but, gonna mention it. I'm gonna. It's gonna be my goal to mention it on every single episode. Well, that's why I brought it up because <laughs> I want to make you hit your goal. Okay, I like it. I like it. <laughs> but real quickly, let me let me read something that I found pertaining to that uh, to Scorsese. Okay. Because just recently, this week. It came out a couple weeks ago, but this week I watched The Irishman mm -hmm. on Netflix, directed by Martin Scorsese, starring Robert De Niro, Al Pacino, Joe Pesci. And when we wa when we reviewed Look Who's Knocking at my, at my Door, we both thought the same thing, which is like, what the hell is this? Right, right. You more than me. Even. Mm -hmm. I'm more, we know I'm more of an apologist right. when it comes to filmmaking. You're like, this was the worst movie ever made. It's pretty close. It's bad. It's but bad. There's a book out there that I'll read sometimes when I'm teaching. I just kind of try to do studies. And it's one called On Filmmaking. It's Introduction to the Craft of the Director by Alexander McKendrick. And the foreword in the book is by Scorsese. Okay. okay. And and so he says this. And I and the reason I brought it is because I I, I want you to... Uh, embrace this concept because you hated look who's knocking okay. at, at my door so much <laughs> and scorsese says this and he's talking to student filmmakers at colleges and universities mm -hmm. and he says quote though it will be only a couple of weeks before you are familiar with the basic mechanics of filmmaking it will take a lifetime of hard work to master them as someone who feels like he's still just beginning theories are fine but practice is everything sure so the re and we know that we get that concept, but I just want to iterate that the Irishman was a fucking masterpiece. Okay, I, and I, I I'm dying to see it. It is very long. 
So, so I haven't been able to carve out three and a half hours to watch. Carve it, it out. I know it's fine because I'm not going to chop it up. I don't. I don't want to do that with something like this. Makes sense. But just a th- a th- as a throwback, 50 years before he makes "Look Who's Knocking at My Door," and we both go, "What the hell is right, this thing?" Right. And then he comes out with this that practice, sure. you know, the understanding that I don't know it all, and I, as I go out and practice, and it, things will. get better Mm -hmm. in his case they definitely do oh without a doubt anyway i was reading that for a class and like trying to prep a small lesson and i thought about our podcast about his first film and his most recent and how far he's come yes for sure yes so jumping back to other first-time film directors getting back into spike jones and being john malkovich we both agree that spike jones aesthetically and stylistically is fantastic yes also, I believe was a co-founder of the Vice Channel. I think so. He's he's definitely involved in or some some, in some kind capacity. Of, has some kind of involved, right. involved in on there. He might be a, a co-founder. I'm not sure. Alan, being John Malkovich is a head trip. Yeah. <laughs> we got off of we we just we got off last week talking Dennis Hopper's first film, mm-hmm. Easy Rider. And now we're jumping into being John Malkovich nearly over 30 years later. And both of them are head trips, but in different ways. Definitely. This film for me is a head trip, but there's so much engagement for me. Mm-hmm. I was confused on Easy Rider. We were, like we mentioned last week, we were trying to figure out where to get bearings and kind of right. where to establish what's going on. We both, I enjoyed the film, but like, and more so after we talked about it. But this film, for me, out of the gate, I'm in. For sure. 100%. For sure. Curiosity, engagement, a little confusion, a little uncertainty, mm-hmm. eccentric characters, style of uh, filmmaking, like right. shooting and coverage. I'm, I'm in the whole time. Never once in this entire film do I ever go, why? Or this is dumb. No, definitely. Or I, don't, I can't follow. Or I'm not... In, engaged and interested and so that's why when i was talking about before like if someone had a gun to my head and said write a screenplay this would be the one i would write for sure it's so good charlie kaufman other other things he's written um and we give a lot of of course credit to director spike jones and rightfully so but also for someone to conceptualize a story like this i don't even know where you he, begin he, he, that's what he does. He lives in that in that weird world. Like adaptation is I love that movie. That's too. fantastic. Because it, it he for if I'm not mistaken, I heard an interview with him. He was supposed to write a a, a something about botany. And instead yes. he ended up writing something about he and his uh fictional twin. And it's just it's a bizarre, weird world that he lives in. I would love to just see his his process of writing and how he comes up with this stuff. He uh, and you say in adaptation, which stars Nicolas Cage, you can't go wrong there. Right, right. Nicolas Cage. Right. What are you gonna get? You don't know. And then it, you watch it and you you're like, I'm I'm in. And he's a damn good actor, and he's, he's very good. subdued, and he's, he's great really in that movie. And you got to play two roles. Yeah, you do. Um, but his in his inception or 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 the origin of adaptation came from literally just. Uh, uh, a concept around botany mm-hmm. 
So he goes, I write a story on botany. And then right. he starts discovering this process that leads to what it is. I think he had writer's block, and that's what happened. Is that what it was? It, and because he, it plays into that. He writes about exactly, it. Exactly. Exactly. And so he ended up writing about having writer's block, yeah. writing a book about botany. Yeah. And it turned it into screenplay. It, it's, <laughs> I love it. It's insane. I don't know how his mind works that way. It's insane. Similarly, in being John Malkovich, I had read somewhere that he that uh, Charlie Kaufman was like, I want to write a story about a man who wants to commit adultery on his wife. In other words, like I want to write a story about a man who cheats on his wife. Right. Okay. That, I see where like there's plenty of movies out sure. there about men who cheat on their wives. Right. Do you know what I mean? You would never assume this it, to be it, one of them. What the fuck? How did this come? What? If that was your base, that? if that was your foundation, where did this, that's what I mean. I, where does the mind go? To get here. So to lay out a little bit of this storyline, we'll kind of start at the beginning. This one will take a little time to kind of break down each thing and try to figure different things out. But it stars John Cusack. He plays Craig Schwartz. And the opening scene, we establish immediately that Craig Schwartz is a puppeteer, Mm -hmm. which is an odd, eccentric kind of art. Yep. Uh, It's very cool, but it's like you would your lead character is a puppeteer. Right. And it's just a a shot of uh, the first minute or so is just a shot of a puppet being on strings, a Pinocchio type character on strings. And it's just doing this elaborate kind of dance back and forth. It's filmed beautifully, by the way. It is. And I wonder how they operate the puppets because it can't just be on those wooden sticks. Yeah. Because I have one of those things. It's kind of a novelty thing. Uh, and I've tried moving it around a little bit, and it you can't. Not with that fluidity. No, and so I, I wonder, I, I mean, this is 1999, so this is way before the advancements in CGI and all that. So right. obviously it, it looks like a practical effect. Plus Spike Jones doesn't seem like the kind of director no. who's like, let's do CGI. Right. He wants that in-camera so, shit. Do you think he hired some puppeteers to make that shit work that way? Because that was very impressive. It's beautifully done. It really is. And it's this dance with this Craig Schwartz lookalike. It's Craig, the character, right. played by John right. Cusack, as the puppet. That he's Because right. he, as the puppeteer, you make your own puppets. Yep. Right? It's your own thing. But it's this scene, and you just kind of, it's just, there's no introduction to a character. And then it kind of works up, and then we see John Cusack take it, finish the, the strings. Mm-hmm. And then it like, takes, randomly takes a sip of beer. And you're like, okay, where's this going? Right. Because <laughs> we just started out with this elaborate dance with a puppet. Right. And now we're moving to this guy who's a little disheveled. Right. And like you hear his wife off in the background. And, and she says, it's time for bed. It's time for bed. And that is just the perfect contrast because he's so free in this little world. And then all of a sudden, he's ordered to go to bed. Right. And it's just, it, you, you've already set up kind of the world that we live in. And then the next scene is immediately a parrot or a parakeet. <laughs> On his head, on, on Craig's head, uh-huh. time to wake up. Time to wake up. <laughs> and jumping on Craig, his time head. time to wake up. Craig. Yeah. And uh, it cuts out, and it's this weird apartment with animals and, of course, a bird on his head. Uh-huh. And then introduction of Cameron Diaz as his wife, uh, Lottie, who doesn't look like Cameron Diaz no. as we know her. No. As a matter of fact, I think it would take a minute for you to realize that it's mm-hmm. actually Cameron Diaz. For sure. She does great in this movie. She does. Everyone's fantastic. It's so good. The performances. All, all I'm going to do is applaud this film. Yeah. 
I'm not. Some films we we kind of dissect right. and we get. We're not. This one, everything I'm going to talk it's about. All I'm so much do is fun. Give accolades. It's so much fun to to kind of jump back into a movie that I I just love. We we get Cameron Diaz. Cameron Diaz plays Lottie. Lottie and Craig are married. Um, she asks Craig if he can if if she can feed. Um, damn it! Now I forgot the damn. I can't remember. The damn chimp's name. Oh, I just Elijah. Had it too. Elijah. That's right. Elijah, she says, can you feed Elijah? I got to go to the store. She, she runs or operates a pet store. And there's pets all over the house. Yeah. Iguanas and eccentric pets and everything. And he's like, which one's Elijah again? <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't know. Right, right. Um, she's like, it's the chimp who has a, a traumatic past. <laughs> yeah. I forgot about that. The, the chimp has a traumatic <laughs> he, past. He's got a therapist. He's got a psychotherapist. He's got a psychotherapist. <laughs> he has to work through his issues. His childhood trauma. Yeah, his trauma yeah. in the past. And yeah, we and we trauma. see it. We see it later on. We do see it later on. <laughs> Craig's not happy in life. No, he's but a, he's very chipper for someone who's unhappy. I don't know that he's chipper. Do you think he's chipper? I don't think I don't feel that he's chipper. I feel like because the subsequent scene is him sitting on a couch. He's very, he's disheveled in his mm-hmm. look mm-hmm. physically, but he's also, uh, he looks over at Elijah. The next scene, Elijah, the chimp, is on the couch with mm-hmm. him. And he's like, you have no idea Tr- what yeah. the truth of, have, or the, uh, what it means to be, to have a conscious state of mind. Right. He's like, I think. You're so lucky. I suffer. You know, like yeah, it's just this yeah. depressing kind of. But setup. I also feel like there's part of him that enjoys that because he views himself as an artist. Yeah. And artists are supposed to suffer. And there's, you know, I, I feel like he's got this romantic idea of what an artist is. And they're supposed to suffer and put their, their suffering into their work. Yeah. And uh, and I think so. There's a little bit of that. But and when I say chipper, I don't think he's chipper, but he's he's very nice for someone who's got a life that he's not happy yeah with. he's very polite yes and you say suffer and that's funny because he actually says that to elijah the chimp. exactly he says, yeah i i think i feel therefore i suffer right right because <laughs> exactly. he has consciousness yeah um and then we see this this cra- right there there's a uh derek mantini derek mantini is the worldwide in the stories this worldwide famous puppeteer which is hilarious which and craig kind of despises him and also wants to be him. he respects him he does. He respects him, but he's also uh, always judging his Definitely. artistry. Yep, exactly. And in the news, this famous puppeteer, Derek Mantini, is manipulating a 60-foot puppet on a bridge. <laughs> With cranes. <laughs> and Craig calls him a gimmicky bastard. A gimmicky bastard. Gimmicky but bastard. this is why I say I think he respects him because he says it with kind of like a half smile. Because he's yeah, there is a slight like, appreciation. You, like you did it, you yeah. son of a bitch. Like how did you do it? Damn you. Yeah, exactly. Because Craig, what's Craig's real dream? Is to be him. Is to be him, but or to be a successful, uh, famous puppeteer. Mm-hmm. Right. This is not a. Even his wife alludes to it when the parrot's on his head jumping. Mm-hmm. Wake up, wake up. She's like, maybe you'd just be better for now if you got a job. Right, right. Honey, I told you there's no jobs for puppeteers. It's a wintry economy. <laughs> the whole where economy you thing this, he keeps bringing up. It's where hilarious. do you get this dialogue? Right, right. I'm sorry. This is where the writing Charlie, is Charlie Kaufman's brilliant. I his, swear to his God. His writing's so good. But Craig, then it cuts to Craig out on the street, and he's doing. he's like a street puppeteer. So in contrast to Derek Mantini, he's running, he's he's working the streets in New York yep. on a corner, 
hoping that someone will give him a dollar and a hat. Yeah. You know? And I love this scene. <laughs> I love this scene when the little girl comes to watch. There's almost an uncomfortability to the scene because the little girl's there. Right, right. And the little girl's like, Daddy, a puppet show. And she starts watching while they're waiting to cross the street. Right. And then it's the... <laughs> Craig starts doing some it's a very sensual, sensual performance. Priest, yeah, you know, uh, suppressed <laughs> <laughs> sexuality, and through the walls of the the stage, they're basically humping each other. Right, right. And the dad of the girl turns around, and is like, "You motherfucker!" <laughs> Punches him just out in that New York way. Just you motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> Just knocks him. But this is a this is where you know what's fun to talk about stories that have plots mm -hmm. that and little points that lead to the next thing. Right. We've established immediately. Craig's a puppeteer. He's an artist. He desires to be bigger and better than mm -hmm. he is currently. We know that he's not doing a lot economically. They're not doing that great. Right. And he's on the street performing, and the punch from this stranger is the thing that kind of leads him to go, man, I, for now, I just better get a job. Right, right. You know? But the funny thing is when he goes, he, he walks into his wife's, into Lottie's pet shop, and she sees that he's been hit. Punched. And she goes, not again. So obviously, this is a this is a continuing problem that he gets knocked out on the street. Right, and he like lisps in a, with a broken right, lip, like, right. I'm a puppeteer. I'm a puppeteer. <laughs> <laughs> it's just great. It's the whole thing. It, I, I mean, this is what I mean. Like, immediately, for me, I'm entertained. When I watch the movie with my wife, she's like, she had seen it. I watch it a lot. I'm, mm -hmm. I'll watch the movie all the time. <laughs> my wife's literally like, this movie again? Oh, we're doing it's, this again, and huh? she's like, it's so weird. <laughs> she, doesn't, she, she doesn't hate it, but she's also, right. like me, I'm like, every time, I'm like, hell yeah, let's yeah, watch. Yeah. She's being John Malkovich. And, uh, but the point being, like, he he gets punched out. He's, he, he Then he gets... It's a catalyst for him to go find a job. Right. Um, it takes him out of his desire to be what he wants to be. Mm -hmm. And feels like he has to fall into the robotic position of like, man, I guess I'll be like everybody else. Right. And go find a place to work. And everything about him, it, it, it goes against his nature. It goes against him. Because he is, not only does he want to be famous, but he enjoys controlling and manipulating these things. Right. He loves being in control because it sounds like in his life, he's not in control of anything. At all. He has no control. At all. Right. And the one thing that he's a master at is the puppeteering. Right. And he does have that control. And this comes into play. What's beautiful about the writing is that it comes into play. That all comes Absolutely. <clears throat> into play later. Absolutely. In a very, very, very strong way. Right. And right. a literal way. Right. Which we'll get into. But he goes to find a job, and he finds one to go interview at what's called Lester Corp. Mm -hmm. And he goes to, he gets an interview, and he walks in, goes up the elevator, and the building or the office of Lester Corp is on the seven and a half, Seven and a half. How do you half, say that? A half. How do you it's say on that? Floor seven and a half. We'll floor say that. <laughs> seven and a half. Yeah. <laughs> no, on the the floor seven and a half of the building. Right. And you're like, what? And uh, notice too that who was in the elevator there. It's um. Uh, and now I'm gonna we're gonna we're gonna, we're gonna kill her name. Um, it's uh, she becomes uh, Oct Oct Octavia Spencer. 
is the woman in the elevator. She's not really, she's more of a big actor now, but mm-hmm. like when this was made in 20 right. years ago, it wasn't really, that was like a very minor right, role. Right. But she's the one that looks at Craig in the elevator and, and she can tell he's confused. She can tell. And she's like, I, you're going to the seven, the seven, 7.5. Yeah. <laughs> I can't say it. Seven and a half. She's like, yeah. <laughs> seven and a half. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, yeah. So uh, she grabs a, there's a crowbar in the corner of the elevator. <laughs> And then it cuts to the elevator, and you see all these dents in the yeah. elevator. And right as they get between seven and eight, she hits the emergency stop and pries the elevator open with the crowbar, and it's a half floor. It, it's just it, just even getting off the elevator. It's just like that thing, just everything's a struggle. Everything's a struggle. Nothing's <laughs> normal. Right. Nothing's normal. Life. And, every, and you, you can't even walk into an office building without having to bend over. Because the ceiling is so goddamn low. Like, everything is a struggle. This goes back to the, the, again, the writing, which is like, if you're writing this, like, where do you decide that it's going to be the seven? <laughs> I just don't understand. You're like, Charlie Coffee. You've written things, I've written things, none of which are probably good. But the concept being, where do you come up with, why the 7.5? It doesn't why does that, make sense. It's just crazy. That has to come from somewhere, right? Like, it doesn't. You can't just be like, oh, I have an idea. Like, it's got to come from a story or an experience or... Because immediately you go, what world are we in? Right, right. That, that That's not a normal world. And people are walking around like it's just normal to be there. But the beauty of the, of the atmosphere that's created is like Spike makes it just feel real. Yeah. You're like, oh, that's normal. It still has that mundane office exactly. feel to it. He walks out on there and he's crouching and like right. he's ducking to get through. And he goes into to the interview, and it's it feels like a n- normal office. There's mm-hmm. nothing outlandish about the world other than it's a bit odd. Right. That it's on the seven and a half floor. Right, right. So Craig walks out. He's trying to get this job. He goes in and meets uh, Lester, right? My favorite character in this whole movie. Dr. Lester. First, he has an f- interesting uh, interaction with the receptionist. Oh yes, <laughs> who who by the way, uh, uh, Flores, the receptionist, Flores, yeah, and uh, who who Doctor Lester loves, like he oh, has yeah, a, yeah. A, a quite a, a physical attraction right, to her, right? Um, and she has, a, but he's not banging her if that's what you're implying. <laughs> <laughs> I just love Doctor Lester so much. Doctor Lester's funny, <laughs> he's great. She has a a hearing thing; she can't ever hear quite what. He says, I'm Craig Schwartz. Allegedly. 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 It feels to me like she's kind of doing it just a little bit out of spite. Right. But she brings him in to meet, and this will come into play later with the relationship between Lester and Flores. But ultimately, he gets into the office of Lester, and he's in an interview, right? And and Lester's... and, and, And also, the description of the job, which is like a filer with fast hands and... It makes sense for some reason. And, and you're like, okay, like these are all little into. But here's the one thing: it, it, it's it's the little things that just. And this seems like a joke that would be, like on airplane or the Naked Gun or something. Where, yeah. uh, first of all, she, uh, what what's the receptionist name? Flores. Flora. She she doesn't get his name. He said, "My name is Schwartz." Right. And she, and she said, "Juarez." She keeps hearing yeah. Juarez. Yeah. So he goes in. He sits down and. <laughs> Dr. Lester goes, Mr. Juarez. And he goes, it's actually Schwartz. And it, just this little joke. 
He hits the, the buzzer. Security. He's like, no, 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 no. I Just the littlest things yeah. just make me love. That That's what makes me fall in love with this movie. It's, it's the tiny be, little things. And in writing, when you write, it's hard to make sure that everything ties together. Right, right. <clears throat> and Kaufman does it so beautifully. Yeah. Alluding to the thing you're talking about. I'll set it up that Flores can't hear. Right. And then it's going to have a little punch. It's just a subtle thing, but it's got a little punch later with the right with the security right right tying all those little things together while still working on the macro like the big picture right he's great at it he gets into dr lester's office dr lester gives him a challenge he says uh (laughs) it's the weirdest it's the weirdest in an interview he says okay which what does he say which one of these symbols comes first right and on one side, he has a scribble chicken scratch. And the other side, he has the letter R. Right. And Craig goes, the, uh, the, the one on the, the right is not a symbol, sir? And he's like, what does he say? He goes, damn, you're good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he delivers it so seriously. like it, he's, not, it, he's really asking. He's very it's impressed very, with yes. that. Yeah. He's like, oh, yeah. 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 file the or uh, set these in alphabetical order and he gives them a stack of cards and then right. Craig quickly does the and then he's like Flores call Guinness and he like hits his buzzer you know <laughs> she's, I can't remember what she he's says so impre- yeah she says something and he that, goes I'm sorry about you know, this damn speech impediment of mine because he, he thinks that because Flores misinterprets what he says that right. he has a speech impediment right right it's just joke after joke after joke and that's why I just Dr. Lester's my favorite it's so funny he's hilarious they uh then all of a sudden, he, he starts going on about this speech impediment. And then essentially, Craig's like, I can hear you perfectly <laughs> clear, sir. And he's like, that's very kind of you. It's nice of you to lie. Yeah. <laughs> Flattery will get you everywhere. Flattery will get yeah. you everywhere in this yeah. world, boy. <laughs> I love it. Ultimately, Craig gets the job. Mm-hmm. He offers him the job. Um, Craig says... Sir, what's with the low ceilings? Another joke. Pass <laughs> low overhead. Pass the savings on, on to you. you. You'll find great. all about it. You'll find out all about it in the orientation video. It's just, I love it. And the whole time, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I, for me, I'm just engaged the whole time. I think right. it's entertaining. Right. He goes to the orienta- orientation, but he gets the job. So this is good. This is a positive outlook for mm-hmm. Craig's character. We're like, all right, Craig got the job, and he goes into the orientation meeting and there's just a few people in there and they play an orientation video from like the (laughs) seventies. This is where once again, spike shines aesthetically Uh because if you read on the script, just in words that there's an orientation video and it probably has some dialogue about what, but like, how do we make this thing? Like, it's so funny. It's hilarious. The whole thing's hilarious. It goes back to the origin of the building. So the orientation video <laughs> gives the historical perspective of the origin of the building. And essentially the origin the origin of the building is um the Captain Merton, who's some Irish merchant. Mm-hmm has built this building and one day a lady of miniature proportions <laughs> a little person a little person uh-huh. 
comes into the building and starts ranting about how no buildings are ever built for people of my size and all these things. And it's in this old timey 1800s language. Well, the first the first part is hilarious because he goes, if you want charity, you'll be getting none of it. Yeah. And so he's screaming at her. Yeah. And then she just be gone goes, with you. Be gone with you. Yeah. And she just says this little thing, and then all of a sudden he's like, your words have moved me. Yeah. I'm going to make you my bride, and I'm going to build you a floor. He kneels down, <laughs> eye level. I'll build you a floor where people of your stature can come oh and enjoy. <laughs> and you're just like, what is going on? <laughs> this is an orientation video. And, and Captain Mer- – what? but this is what we talked about in terms of the story structure because Captain uh, Mertent – comes into play again later mm-hmm. in the film, in the story. Because you think in an orientation video, you're like, that's silly. I actually awkward. didn't even put together that it was the same person until, until you just said it. He comes in later because yeah. it's not really Dr. Lester. Right, right. And we'll get into that. So this is what I mean about the beautiful writing. Not only are you a funny writer, right? Because right. he's funny, mm-hmm. great at developing characters, but the ability to once again, everything matters. Like yep. everything matters. Sometimes you'll have throwaway scenes right. or scenes that don't carry as much weight. Everything, everything matters, matters in this film. And I just love how he does it. So this orientation video leads itself into Craig going like, what's going on? And he looks and a couple people leave the meeting after it's done. And then he looks back and he sees Catherine Keener's character. Right. It's kind of the sex dude. And he's sexy. been checking her out the whole time. He's been kind of eyeballing her from the back. Right. And, uh, so, so Catherine Keener's character is um, uh, Maxine, and she's also new to Lester Corp. And mm-hmm. Craig starts to try a dialogue with her that completely fails. Yeah, uh, it's like the guy trying to hit on the cute girl, right? And it just totally bombs. He's very persistent for someone who doesn't seem to have a whole lot of self confidence. He don't got no game, right? Craig's none. got no none. game, none. Um, it, but he's interested in Maxine from the get go. So once he's eyeballed her, she kind of like she calls it out on the orientation. Yeah. Maxine's character is very straightforward. Oh yeah, very straightforward. Which, it, it, which is what he likes about her, I think, because he's he's very polite. He doesn't really say what he's thinking. He's not allowed to. He's kind of forced to live in this world, and she just does whatever the fuck she wants whenever she wants. Right. She doesn't care. She says, "That's great that you like the video. It's bullshit." Right. Right. You know, yeah, she lives free because he looks back and he's like, well, that's an interesting story. And right. She says it's bullshit. Right. She calls it right out. Uh, and then and then it, it basically moves forward in the story that he's back home. And and uh, there's been some conversation between Lottie, his wife and Craig about having a baby. Mm-hmm. And you can kind of get the and once again, that comes into play. Right. So you would think that the smallest thing about having a baby wouldn't. It comes into her desire to have a child. Right. Right. You're like, oh, that's just a throwaway conversation between a husband and wife Mm -hmm. where you get the sense that Lottie wants a baby. And Craig's like, well, let's see if the job pans out so we can get more established financially. Mm -hmm. And you're like, oh, that's just a little conversational piece between husband and wife. Right. Right. It's there's more depth to it because it carries more weight later, too. For sure. Um so, so, and then Elijah's on the table, the monkey, the chimp. It's just, <clears throat> she's talking about the, like, he's got to go to the psychotherapy oh and all these God. kind of it's things. It's just so funny. It's just, it, and then this whole time Craig's been thinking about Maxine. Yeah. He, he's, he's had a conversation with his wife, but, and this is where Kaufman 
got the idea, right? We talked about like his idea was like, I want to write a story about a guy who has a desire to cheat on his wife. Yep. And this is where it's led. A, everything we've described <laughs> to, this is now where we're getting to a point where like, that's where the origin came from. It's bizarre. It, yeah. Because the next, yeah, we'll get into it. But the next scene is Craig now in his puppeteer little workshop. He's made a Maxine doll. He's con well, not only has he made a Maxine doll, but he's converted the former Lottie doll. Oh, that's true. He's replaced. That's true. that's true. So before it was Lottie, and it cuts to a shot of a Lottie doll, Lottie doll, right on the wall, and now he's painting a Maxine doll and replicating her face to be. The interacting partner and in then the puppeteering. He he plays out this whole fantasy of how the conversation is going to go. So with, awkward with when he talks about why he loves puppetry so much, and you know you get to live in someone else's skin, and it, it just and then it has sexual innuendo. And right, he's like, right. Would you like to live in my skin? Right. It's and so you're like, nice. In it's here. it's so nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're like, this is disturbing. Oh my god. And yeah. Really awkward. Right. Uh, but still engaging. You're still like, what is going on? Craig is, he's, he's starting to become a little weird. Yeah. He's even he's, more than he he's, was. He's getting into creepy territory. That's what I mean. Exactly. Right. That's the word I'm looking for. He's right. beginning to become creepy. Dude's a creep. Um, so he's now, but what I love that it does is without having to like show some, like without having to give away too much we get now that Craig is really fascinated by Maxine. Mm -hmm. We knew he kind of was, but now he's taken it to the creepy level, but we know his character is, is, is fascinated by her. Right. Right. Which leads us to some of the follow-up scenes in the office where the follow-up scene is Craig's trying to start a conversation with her. <laughs> I was thinking about what you said about the orientation video. <laughs> I think you might be right. It might be bullshit. And she's like, yeah, and a hundred other lines to get in a girl's pants. And she just knows it. She, she knows I immediately mean, that, right, he, that right. he won't, yeah. He's not smooth. Like and he said, he, no game. Then he completely coils up. He's like, uh, I wasn't, that's not what I was trying to say. And he's, you know, very nervous about it. She would respect him more, though, just knowing her character, if he had just come out and said it. If he had said it. Right. Yeah, exactly. And you get a little hint of that later. Right. Um. Then there's this other funny interaction. But Dr. Lester comes back. And. Oh, my God. <laughs> Craig's filing away, doing his job. And Floris says, man, those fingers could work some magic. Why don't you alphabetize me? Why don't you alphabetize <laughs> me, Craig? And Craig denies her. Well, not only that, she goes, I comes before you. Yeah. <laughs> it's, just, it's so. But that dialogue, once right, again, like. Right. The innuendo behind, I mean, it's there, but like, I comes before right, you. Right, right, right. Like, it's just so creative. Like, that's what I mean. Everything, like, that's all I'm not going to do is just plod this yeah. every way. So, but Craig basically tells Floris, hey, look, I'm interested. I'm interested. And we know that he's not talking about Lottie. Exactly. I'm, I'm in love with someone else. Yeah. And you're like, oh, shit, he's talking about Maxine right, already. Right. Craig's crazy. Right. He's already talking about Maxine like he loves her. And this is the part where I, I realize that Floris is just fucking with everybody because she goes, I can't understand a word you're saying. Yeah. You bastard. That's true. <laughs> yeah. When she doesn't get what she wants right, and, right. and then it goes back to her not pretending like, yeah. She and then here hear. comes the knight in shining armor, Dr. Lester. Dr. Lester, <laughs> who, <laughs> who loves, he loves Floris. I, I love that character so much. It's it's revealed that doctor and then he comes in and says 
If you talk to Flores like that again, I'll box your ears off. <laughs> if I was, if I no, what do you say? Or if something. I was eighty years younger, I'd box your ears. Off. Box your ears off. How old are you, Doctor Lester? He says one hundred and five. Oh my God! It's revealed that Doctor Lester's one hundred and five. One hundred and five. And immediately, you're like, what? What the fuck is going on? That doesn't make sense. No. How are you 105 and you're our, you're the link to the past, Doctor Lester? Yeah, seriously. I don't want to be your damn link again, to the past. It's done like it's done in a way where it's a little weird, but it's kind of normal. Like he just kind of you know shrugs it off. I don't go. He's not 100. I still go. Oh, I guess. And then he starts yeah. talking about how he drinks carrot juice and he pisses orange. Right, right, right. And then he starts talking about how he loves Flores. This is in an office environment. <laughs> Extremely disturbing. The, oh, it's a very Harvey Weinstein moment. Yeah. Oh, very, very. <laughs> only, only. I think uh, Doctor Lester's a little bit more romantic than Harvey Weinstein. He's, he, he's not so much based in action as he is in sweet talk. Yes, exactly. Harvey Weinstein's immediate go to the right. The pants pulled down. Right. Exactly. Uh, Doctor Lester is saying inappropriate things in the office, though about how he wishes he could be with Flores. Yeah, he's pretty explicit about he's it, too. He's very explicit. Uh -huh. And Craig's like, whoa, 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 Dr. Lester, maybe you shouldn't talk about this in the environment or the office, office environment. And he's like, great. I'll meet you at the Juiceteria <laughs> after work. <laughs> the Juiceteria. See, again, this is like at an airplane. It's, it's like the very literal, uh, literal jokes. Like, surely you can't be serious. I am serious and don't call me Shirley. You know, right. It's just, it's that kind of joke. Yep. And it just, his whole character, maybe that's why I love it, because I love those movies so much. He's also, it, he is chalked up as a character as kind of the sweet old man. Yeah, yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. And it's funny because, not funny, but when you're old, you can kind of get away with saying things mm -hmm. in a way, because especially if you came from a certain, I'm not condoning it, I'm right, just right. saying like, there's a little bit more liberty There's given. There's a little more liberty given mm -hmm. than if you were born in like in 1980. Right. And you know better than to say certain things. Right, right. <laughs> versus if you were born in 1930. Right. Right. And so he's just saying inappropriate things and then basically sets up a meeting for Craig to meet him to get <laughs> carrot juice. Just so he can talk about so how. So he can talk about his explicit <laughs> desires for Flores. <laughs> Oh and and Craig's in a position where he can't really say <laughs> he no because he's no. the boss. Right, exactly. And he just got this new job. The funny part is he gets on the phone. The next scene is he's on the phone with Lottie, and he's like, don't worry, I'll be home soon. I just got to listen to all these sexual exploited yeah. you know, stories of his des uh, lustful desires for Flores, and then I'll be home. Oh, my God. Uh, and then he runs into Maxine in the hallway. And actually, Craig gets a little ballsy here. Yeah? Yeah, because he says he wa he basically wants to invite her to, to have drinks. He physically stops her in the hallway. Right. And, uh, uh, and again, I love the way this plays out, where he's like, if I guess your name, I get three guesses. If I guess <laughs> so your name, awkward. you got to have drinks with me. <laughs> it's so awkward. And, she plays into it. And she's like, okay. And he guesses her fucking name. But he does it in the most comedic, uh, you know, most comedical way possible, because he starts out with the full first syllable of a name, Floor, and he's reading her face. Right, right. And so, <laughs> and he get he gets he it. He gets it. 
And then he's all excited about how he got it, right. and she agrees to have drinks. So they, they go to have drinks. But then it's the scene. He, before he has drinks with Maxine, he's, he's got to go. Dr. List, Lester. Yeah, talk yeah. about his sexual exploitation or uh, sexual exploits with uh, Flores. And I love it's at the carrot juice place. <laughs> it's, just, <laughs> it's just so funny. The whole thing is bizarre. It's bizarre, but it also, once again, it goes through that. They make it feel like that's a real world. Yeah, yeah, that's totally. That's the world of what we're watching. Right. It's crazy. Uh, Dr. Lester, uh, Craig tells Dr. Lester, hey, I got to go home and have dinner with the wife. Or, you know, he makes an excuse. He's trying to get out of it. Right. Because what he's really trying to do is get to the stuffed pig to go have uh, drinks with Maxine. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, Dr. Lester finds a way to invite uh, Lottie and Craig for dinner at his at his house. Like, oh, I'd love to meet her. How, how about dinner on Thursday? You can come too. Yeah, you can go. Yeah, it's just the way. It's just so matter of fact. Like Doctor Lester uh, gets what he wants. He does. And Craig, poor Craig, gets sucked into things. You know, Craig's never been one to. You can tell immediately his character's never been one to like really say no. Right. He doesn't rock the boat. Mm -mm. He just goes with it. He's gaining confidence though because he did ask Maxine. To go have drinks. Yep. And this seems awkward because after he leaves carrot juice with Dr. Lester, he goes to meet Maxine for drinks, just barely makes it in time. Because mm -hmm. she said she would leave at seven, which right. you believe her. She says oh, yeah, she's sure. the opposite of Craig. Yeah. If you if she's going to uh, do what she says. Yeah. She but uh, gets there and, and she they have this <laughs> weird interaction. Craig's nervous. Mm hmm. Right. John Cusack's Cusack's. Um, performance in this is so he's good. so good he's yeah. so good it's so believable and he's so awkward and he he falls into that character so well right craig is you don't you know sometimes you'll with me on a john cusack film i'll watch it and go that's john cusack yeah i it, we've talked about this with other actors before where you see him doesn't mean they're not they're bad performances no. but it's it's them it's the leo effect right it's for me right. when i we talked about this before when i see a leo film i go that's leo right right same thing with John Cusack, except it's, for in this one. Not in this movie, though. He's very good. I don't exactly. I, watch I forget it. that it's him. I think it's Craig Schwartz. Right. It's Craig Schwartz. Right. <laughs> it is. And he's a good actor either way. I just mean for that, sure. that, that, that this he falls into it so well because this interaction that he has with Maxine is so awkward. Mm -hmm. And he goes in, like wants to buy her a drink, and she's very straightforward and like, she thinks the way that he's talking, because he's not sure how to articulate his mm -hmm. sentences in a in a in a in a in a confident way, that and and this isn't a he. She thinks that maybe he doesn't even like women. Right, right. He's trying to be charming. He's trying to be and charming, overly coy, and yes, I really want to get to know you. Right. I'm not interested in sex, you know that type of thing. Yep. And it's you know, so she's like, "What the fuck is going on? Yeah, with you? who are you, are you? Yeah, what are you doing?" Are you homosexual? Right, right. That's what she thinks. Right. And then he's like, well, no, no, I'm not. And she's like, are you married? Right. And he's like, well, that's enough talking about me. Yeah, yeah. How about you? <laughs> he's trying to divert it. <laughs> and then she's like, something to the effect of like, you want to have sex? And he's like, he, or, you know, he's like, you're, she's like, you're gay. You don't right. want to have sex. Right. And he's like, no, no. I. He's like, I love you. I love your tits. Yeah, what a yeah, fuck yeah, the tits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. And you're like, what? And then she sits back down. Yeah, she sits yeah. back. She's, she's ready to leave. Yeah. Because she doesn't believe that Craig is is legit. Right. For her. Um, and she just totally plays him. And the irony there is that Craig's a puppeteer and she puppets yep, the shit out of exactly. him. Exactly. 
this is the great contrast between those, or not contrast, but the great relationship between those characters, which is she is the puppeteer. Mm-hmm. Part of the bar thing is he tells, we were talking about how Maxine is really in a, in, in a, in a real form, the puppeteer of right. Craig. She can manipulate him. And he, and he tells her that, you know, I'm really a puppeteer. And she's like, check, please. Yeah. She's not interested. Uh, and she never really shows any kind of interest towards Craig at all in the sense of like uh, a more uh, kind of physical relationship or attractiveness. I think there may have been something there when he took the initiative and he stopped her and he like kind of played the little game like let's have drinks. But I think as soon as she found out he plays with dolls, I think it's just she's done. It's over. She's done. Yeah. So, but nothing transpires at the bar. Like, nothing, you know, you kind of think, well, maybe Craig's, maybe she'll open up to him and something will happen and, right. and Craig will cheat on his wife or whatever it is, but nothing happens. And then, the, you know, Craig, uh, we kind of jumped the gun a little bit on the, on the puppet build. In the same thing that we already talked about in the scene is Craig builds his puppet around Maxine. Mm-hmm. Right, based on all this uh, infatuation that he has with her, and this is when he explain he has that fantasy where he explains the the joy of being a puppeteer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Things that he would have wanted to say to her in person, but wouldn't have had right. the articulation or confidence to do so. Right. Um, but then the the next day back at Lester Corp, Craig's filing. He's filing away. Yeah, and he drops a file behind a cabinet, and he pulls the cabinet out. And we notice a little door, right? Uh, like a quarter-sized door. Mm-hmm. And Craig opens the door. And this is where things get Alice in Wonderland. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it literally is. It Alice literally in is. That's yeah. what I think every time I watch it. It's like, it's down the rabbit hole. We're going down this rabbit hole. Right. And that's almost physically what it looks like. He opens this quarter-sized door. Mm-hmm. And it, it's just kind of a dirt hole. Yep. It literally is, for me, when I watch it, a comparable to like a rabbit hole. Yeah. And you're like, what is going on? And he, he, his curiosity gets the best of him. He gets kicked out. He, he, or not, he gets, doesn't get kicked out, but he, he, he opens the door and he goes down. And it's the door. This is, I love how Spike films this scene. Mm-hmm. This is the one thing that would be hard in the writing. To, to go, how do I put this into image and sound? Yeah. I, 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 you when, know what I mean? When, when Charlie Kaufman is sitting there writing this down, I mean, you ha- obviously you picture it in your head, but are you going to trust a filmmaker to be able to get this right? It's hard to translate that from words to image. I would love to see how the screenplay is written in this part. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see what kind of... I would imagine he has depth there. Sure. he's Charlie Kaufman. Sure. But man, the 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 translation from words to image is mm-hmm. pretty impressive because it still feels believable. Yeah, it does. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. In a twisted way, in it a, does. In a, in a very eccentric, twisted way. Yep. Craig travels down the, the rabbit hole, and then you hear the sound, the sound effects, and everything. And before you know it, we're in a POV shot with a a funnel like image. We're looking as if from the perspective of a character right and this character is uh drinking coffee and the sound design here is great it's that muffled it's like you are literally you are the character it was it was good i think for me it was just a little too much i mean i got i could have got the point if they would have toned it down a little bit because there were some times when i would have liked to feel like i was more in the world 
Yeah. But it, I mean, I'm nitpicking here. It's, no, that's it's really not a big deal. But it was just a little too. I mean, I got the point. Yeah, and the whole concept is we're 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 literally POV positioned as if we are the whatever character. We mm-hmm. haven't seen faces yet. We've just seen a newspaper, a coffee mug, and we're just he gets up. The character walks around right. to a kitchen, walks out, grabs his keys and wallet. And then looks up in the mirror, and boom, this is the John, reveal. John Malkovich. It's John Malkovich. <laughs> what? Okay. Still not entire. If you're watching this for the first time, you're like, what? Right. In some, you don't know what's really happening. Right, right. I thought being John Malkovich was going to be more of a metaphor right. type of thing, you know? No. And that's the beauty of the, also the <laughs> film itself is like, this is not a metaphor. No, so like, this if is you literally being John you Malkovich. You are John Malkovich. <laughs> right, right. So... He goes out and and we're you get to experience that moment. He goes downtown or down to the street and calls a cab and jumps in the cab and he's going down, and then all of a sudden it base it basically just cuts to a shot of a, a, an empty New Jersey turnpike, and all of a sudden you just see a character fly in from like twenty feet above the ground. And, and I, just smack the ground. Every single one of these is so funny. It, it's it doesn't stop being funny, and stop. I just wonder how many times they had to do that. You know, just being on set, like how many times that stuntman have to fall down onto that itchy? And I, I see like all the 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 weeds and stuff, and I get I have bad allergies, so I'm just like, oh my god, dude, that would I would die. I would pop into one big hive and explode. You're you're wondering what the hell's going right, on, right? Right, because. <clears throat> Before you know it, Craig is falling from the sky. (laughs) (laughs) He gets up out on the weeds and gets out, looks around, looks over, sees a tunnel. He sees New York City Mm -hmm. and then looks over and sees uh, the tunnel that says New Jersey Turnpike. Right. The new... Why? What? (laughs) (laughs) Where do you come up with this? That's a good question. I love it. Yeah. It's great. But what is... And so there's no explanation up to this point about what's happening. Right. Other than Craig obviously went through some, what he called, for lack of a better word, supernatural experience. Right, right, right. He races back to uh, Lester Corp, runs, busts through Maxine's... Doesn't give a shit about telling his wife. Doesn't go... Doesn't want to go... He wants to tell Maxine first. He wants to tell Maxine first thing. Because now he has something to potentially impress her with. Right. Goes in and don't don't he doesn't say like hey check what happened to me he's like don't you want to hear what happened to yeah me? yeah and she's like uh, not really <laughs> she is so even when he tells her what happened she is so disinterested she even points to the window right because <laughs> he's like Cause he's like it, it raises so many existential questions and she just kind of gestures at the window like, like jump, jump out, out then man. <laughs> Jesus if nothing matters right exactly go <laughs> go. <laughs> He proceeds to tell her that he traveled through a portal that led him into the mind of John Malkovich. And she goes, who the hell is John? Who the fuck's John Malkovich? <laughs> and uh, he says, he's famous. Out. He doesn't really know. Either. Right, right. Well, and the best part, because when he is John Malkovich, the cab driver tries to convince John Malkovich that he played a jewel thief. Even yeah. Even though he's like, I never played a jewel thief. Hey, you're that actor. Yeah. 
You never, I never played a Jewel Thief. No, I'm okay. sure it was you. I love that, too, because it totally feels... I'm, I'm not a celebrity, but I right. imagine that right. people that recognize they celebrities, they have the to time. get it all the time. Like, no, I'm, and that people are so confident. Right, right. Like, no, I'm pretty sure you did. And yeah. he's like, no, I didn't. I think I would know. Well, and I love that because then, uh, it, again, like you said, it, it comes back into play. Yeah. That one little joke because yeah. he tells Maxine, he's like, well, he played a Jewel... He was in that Jewel he's Thief in that movie. Jewel Thief movie. <laughs> Which indicates that Craig doesn't really know who right, he is either, right, right. necessarily. Uh, but he's real excited to tell Maxine about about this experience mm -hmm. that he's gone through. And by the way, he's all he's all wet and muddy and right. dirty because he's been he got went through the the portal of John Malkovich. Yeah, and so I think making this so this this unbelievably surrealist thing feel real. They do it so well. They do it, it yeah. Because I'm it's still masterfully not, done. You are like, okay, what? But at the same time, you're like, this is this is the world, and I can believe the world. You're as absurd as it all is. I, I mean, I, there's no suspension of disbelief here. Like, exactly. I'm fully invested. And I'm 100 totally in. Like, right. Okay, where right. are we going next? Exactly. Maxine doesn't care though. No, she's still not impressed. She doesn't care. <laughs> she's, she just doesn't care. I mean. Poor Schwartz. He's Schwartz. just trying his goddamn hardest to impress this woman, and she just could not care. He can travel through a portal to be John Malkovich <laughs> and still can't get the woman. And she doesn't even question the validity of it. She's like, oh, she believes him. Okay, cool. Yeah. All right. Whatever. I, I got to go. I'm, I'm, uh, lock up after me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm going to go have drinks. Yeah, I'm out of here. Uh, uh, Schwartz gets back home. He's... Now showered up wearing a little tight robe because he cleaned up after uh -huh. his experience. Phone rings. It's Maxine. And for whatever reason, something clicked in her. And she says, hey, Schwartzy baby. <laughs> <laughs> Puppeteering him immediately. Uh, yeah, yep. uh, something makes her believe. And so she calls him and says, "We got, I got an idea. We can turn this into a business. Make some money. Because her right. motivation's money. Right. Charge 200 bucks a head. We'll, yeah. we'll let people be john malkovich show me this thing let's do it and then he what well his character he's in yeah maxine says jump schwartz says how high right right let's go because at first he tried he questions her a little bit like i don't know should we be doing this is should this we exploit ethical? this yeah, yeah, is it ethical? yeah exactly and she's like yeah he's like yeah, okay <laughs> and then he's like all right we're in so they 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 they, they take lester corp at night basically the, that concept is they take it over so the next day, though, they be, as they're trying to run an ad, they want to call the ad, the newspaper, run an ad that says, if you want to be someone else, right, $200 a pop, Lester Corp, this time at night, these hours. Yep. And while they're kind of going through this and figuring out how to do it, um, I, I jumped the gun. I apologize. One thing that we needed to remember is that it's now Thursday, and Lottie and, and Schwartz are now, Craig, are now on their way to Dr. Lester's to have dinner. That's right, that's right. And so I jumped one scene, so I'm going to backstep. But they're on their way there, and Craig is telling his wife all about the Malkovich experience. Yep. And she, know what, this is the beauty of the world, once again, is that no, Maxine didn't question him, nor does Lottie. Right. She just like, well, that could be. And he's explained they're going to have a business. Yeah. That they're going to He's talking about how there's a, there's a, uh, he has a new business partner, mm -hmm. right? And it could make lots of money. Right, right. <laughs> Which could help them come out of their financial situation. 
So on the way to Lester's house, Lottie's like, we'll take, he's like, I want to go. She's like, I want to see this thing. Can I come to your business? And he's like, well, it's he doesn't want Lottie to be there because he wants to hit on Maxine. Right, exactly. But he's like, I can take you right now. She's like, before dinner? And he's like, yeah, we could go right now. So he takes Lottie. This is where things get crazy again. He opens the door. Lottie goes in. She's Malkovich. Malkovich is in the shower. <laughs> He's scrubbing his privates. Right. She thinks it feels good. She's getting turned on. She's like, oh, this, yeah. is, this is how it feels to have a unit. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> and it's just this, and she's, she's, yeah, she's getting turned on, and it's this kind of sexual thing. In, while she's inside his head, she's feeling what it's like to be a man. Yep. Because she's a woman. She comes, once again, funny, nighttime, she comes flying in <laughs> to the New Jersey Turnpike, and you do laugh every time. And she wants to go immediately. She wants to go back. What I love dead. about this character is up to that point, Lottie has been submissive mm -hmm. and more considerate towards Craig. Right. And really trying to help him. And Craig has always kind of been, not standoffish to her, but kind of, he's not overly interested in no, her. No, not at all. He's in his own little world. He, he doesn't really care about her. Yeah. And as soon as she comes out of being Malkovich, she shows no interest in Craig. Right. She's done. It's over. Yeah. You know, like the whole thing just 180. Yep. And uh, she's just, the experience has changed her. Yep. It's completely flipped her mindset. And I love the... She gets even kind of like, take me back, take me back. She's anxious. She wants to go back in and be Malkovich. Right. And she's talking about this experience and what it meant to be a man. And and, and you're like, what is happening? What? Yeah. And and so, but she's excited about it. She loves it. She, she lo loves She's the, obsessed. She's obsessed. She's addicted. Yep. Now, the next day. Well, first they go to Lester's. <laughs> They go to Lester's first. And, uh, Once again, this is where it all ties in. Again. Yeah, for sure. And, and, and it's funny. You know, there's some funny moments with Lester there, and it's great. But ultimately, the, the whole point of that is she she goes up to find the bathroom with one of the five doors on his left. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, she peeks into a room, and there is a whole timeline of John Malkovich on the wall from when he was a boy all the way through his acting career. Uh, and there's pictures of him and like a, a whole timeline that, that's been set up. Shrine-like. Sh it's like a shrine, right. And so you're thinking, what the hell is, what is going on? Because how does that tie in? Right. Now you, there's a little bit of mystery here. The mystery box yeah. is now like, what? Right. Dr. Lester's in on this thing? Right. And then you know Dr. Lester owns the building, or at least the floor right. from the business. Um, and now he has a weird shrine to John Milkovich. It's what? bizarre. Right? So... Uh, Lottie doesn't divulge that uh, to Craig mm -hmm. immediately. She's been through the Malkovich experience. She's now seen this shrine of sorts from Dr. Lester's house. So she she knows there's a tie right, somehow. Right. But she doesn't tell Craig. She just goes, I wonder what uh, Dr. Lester has with... What is, you know, she's... What's his connection to... What's his connection? What, she's insinuating something. Right, right. But she doesn't t straight out tell Craig there's Which a full-blown Which is interesting, shrine. yeah. No, it, it, because she's addicted and greedy. She doesn't want to divulge anything. She wants yep. to hold on to that mystery box yep. a little bit. She wants to find out because she's more curious about Malkovich and the portal than mm -hmm. she is Craig. Next day, and, it, and it's more evident the next day, because Maxine and Craig are running the ad. They're going to try to advertise to get people to come to the yep. portal. 
Lottie breaks in to the to the office and she she's like she meets Maxine. She meets Maxine. And she's like, Oh, that's your business partner? Right. Oh, she's pretty. You know, like And the, and the infatuation already starts a yeah, little bit. She's already interested she's kind of interested in Maxine. Then she tells Craig that she's a transsexual. She's a transsexual. She wants to be a man. And when she went through the experience with Malkovich the night before, she's now has different feelings. Yep. This is how topical this is twenty years right, later. Right, right, right. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. And Craig's and she says, I talked to one of the doctors <laughs> who's an allergist. <laughs> Craig's like, what the fuck are you talking about? I talked to doctor. I, I want to talk to doctor something or so and so about doing this, and he's like, he's a, he's an allergist. He's an allergist. <laughs> I know, but I trust him. <laughs> it's just so because what is it? She wants gender reassignment surgery. Right, right. Because she felt what it's like to be a man, and now she wants to be a man. Right, but she wants she has to go through Malkovich one more time just to make sure she wants to confirm it. Right, right, right. And then Maxine's all like, let her go, Craig, or let him go. Right. <laughs> right, let him go. Right. And so they let they let her they let uh, Lottie go again. And this that that's it. That seals the deal. Yep. For her. Right? She comes out of that experience like uh, it's official. She literally like stop. She jumps in the car and like races off and is like she's just about to leave Craig there. Y- yeah. She's she, like leave me alone, yeah, Craig. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Damn Craig. Craig Craig's out. <laughs> Craig can't win because Maxine puppets him, and now Lottie, who was uh, affectionate and, and very that was his safe that was his, his safe, safety his now, fallback girl. After experiencing Malkovich, has wants nothing to do with Craig. I mean, just just like I said, man, everything's a struggle for Craig. Everything. This dude. His but there's also a, a little bit of an infatuation infatuation with um with Lottie and Maxine. Uh, Lottie is starting to fall for Maxine, mm-hmm. right? It's this- and I don't understand. See, I, I this is the one thing you might be able to shed a little light on because you've seen this more than I have. I get Craig's fascination with Maxine. I get that. Uh, it, the motivation is there. Like he, he's unhappy with his life. Maxine represents freedom and kind of you know being your own person. I don't know what Lottie's fascination is with her. Because it doesn't seem like Lottie is in that same rut that Craig is in. My interpretation is that she's a transsexual. So her concept being that she wants to be a man, and now she has some form of attraction to Maxine. Well, she's definitely bisexual. Yeah. So that's, but, but she didn't know that until right. she experienced the Malkovich portal. But why Fran, or Maxine? Why is Maxine... This, this, uh, this, I don't know, this thing on a pedestal, this trophy that, that they're lusting over. I mean, it's, it's a story structure point, but also, I mean, I think Catherine Keener is good looking. Oh, for sure. For the sure. Movie, so but maybe there's, it's just an attractive. But there's a, there's a deeper, there's a deeper want for Craig. And I just, I don't know. I haven't thought about it enough to know what that deeper, what is Lottie's character? What is that character lusting after? <clears throat> I think it's uh, well. It doesn't. It doesn't. I think it's because the follow-up scene to that is they they have dinner. Mm-hmm. So they're at dinner at Craig and Lottie's house, and 
Maxine is there, and she's playing both of them like a fiddle. And they're both kind of trying to compete with each other for her attention. It's very awkward. It feels like sibling rivalry a little yeah. bit. And you're like, I thought you were husband and it's wife. It's bizarre. It's so bizarre. But she, but lot they and and they both make an attempt to kiss her, and uh-huh. Maxine's like, "Ew, Craig." Right. <laughs> Craig. I'm not physically attracted to you. Well, and this is after Francine has contacted John Malkovich. Yeah, that's true. And she went and had sex with John Malkovich. That's a big point to it. We kind of jumped that because yeah. And and uh, Lottie was inside of John Malkovich while he was having sex with Maxine. Yeah, that when when Lottie came back and they said and and Maxine said, "Hey, just let her go," or him, right, Craig. When she did that uh, that experience. Uh, Maxine had actually found his number right. and given him a call. And while and played him like a fiddle. Played him like a fiddle and talked all sexy to him. It's like, oh, I'm a, I'm a huge admirer. She's never even heard of him. Yeah. Yeah, she has no idea who he is. But while she's on the phone, while Maxine's on the phone, Lottie is inside Malkovich. Right, right. And she starts to get an infatuation with how Maxine is speaking. And it may right. have to do with, like, the confidence and that's part of it. She even says Probably. like the confidence about how she talks and how she approaches them, and she's right. attracted to that. And that actually is a piece to that question okay. we were kind of discussing that makes sense. too. That makes sense. But flashing back to the scene, then after that, where they're both kind of infatuated with Maxine, they invite her to dinner because it it is after that where um, Lottie and Craig. Uh, are in the car after she's come out of Malkovich and Lottie's like, maybe we should invite Maxine for right, dinner. Right, right. You know? Right. He's, she's my business partner, though. He doesn't there's want been to. Some, there's been some tension between us at work, and I don't want to subject you to that. I don't want to bring that home. Just his excuses are yeah. just such bullshit. He really wants to keep her to himself. Right. And uh, now Lottie has interest. It's a weird dynamic, and you kind of feel for. It's funny because you feel for Craig, but at the same time, you're like, you brought this on yourself. Dude. Yeah, you're a piece of shit. Yeah, you, exactly. You're, you're you're a cheater. Exactly. You had this. If desire. you could be, you would be a cheater. Exactly. You had the desire. Now your wife has the desire. Right. right. No one is likable in the story except for John Malkovich. True. He's like the only likable character. And Doctor Lester. And Doctor Lester, of course. We love Doctor Lester. But uh, they they end up inviting Maxine to dinner, and then it's just this weird scene uh, where they're both infatuated. They both attempt to kiss her, like we mentioned already. Maxine says, "Ew, Craig, it's just like, I'm not attracted to you. Do not, I have then no attraction like, to you." But Lottie, uh, sweetie, I love you know. She's right. like, but only when you're in him. Yeah. And you're like, oh shit, this girl's crazy. She's crazy. She's crazy and manipulative. Uh, so she likes Lottie, but yeah. only when Lottie is in Malkovich. Right. And you're like, oh, my gosh, this thing just keeps getting more layers. It, it, but it still makes sense. And it's still, But it's still clear, and that's the beauty of it. Like sometimes when you see movies, they can be overly complex. Right. And they're really trying to – they're still good, but you're like, I don't get it all. Right. I'm not sure. Something even like when you watch 2001 A Space Odyssey, you're going, I don't know conceptually where everything's at. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to line it up and figure out – you know, time and space and like, what's it saying about life and all you're just like going, right. this is so complex, but still simple enough to understand what's happening. And it's still very believable and still in, believable. A, in a weird way. Yeah. Um, 
So Maxine wants nothing to do with Craig. That's evident, except for be a business partner. Mm-hmm. And Lottie is starting to like Maxine because of her confidence. Mm-hmm. All opposing attributes to what then to what Craig has. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. And so maybe that's part of the attraction. For as well. sure. So Maxine leaves Craig and Lottie's house, and she only wants him in Malkovich, mm-hmm. or her. Sorry, she only wants Lottie in Malkovich. So what ends up happening is there's this scene where they <laughs> she designs it so that after they close the business, Lottie will go into Malkovich at 411 and and uh, she'll be all prepped and ready to go. She'll go to Malkovich's apartment at 411 and they can have sex mm-hmm. while while Lottie's in Malkovich, she'll have Malko- she'll have sex with Malkovich. Right, right. It's like it's, this is the layering. And, and he, he she calls him Lottie. <laughs> and I, I I actually really Well, first off, first off, she comes in and he like fills her up. Right. And he's, he's like, like shall we get, go? And he does it in his go. classic in his yeah, classic he's very John Malkovich. To the boudoir or whatever <laughs> whatever the fuck he says. He's very just like that classic John Malkovich thing. I'm early, honey. Yeah. And so they're sitting there and just does he like being an actor <laughs> <laughs> and uh she's waiting for the clock to turn 4 right, 11 right and then, waiting for lottie to get inside and then she jumps on him and uh he's like did you just call me lottie they start making out and right. yeah and and she goes is that all right or do you mind and he goes not really <laughs> <laughs> can just, we just give mad props to john I'm malkovich just, so far he, in these- he's playing himself in this in this movie, but he does such a good job, and even better when he's playing other people oh, play, playing in himself. Him. Yeah, right, exactly. Right. He's so good. He's so good. How do you? I, 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 the complexity of that as an actor, I'm playing me, but then I'm playing me with someone else inside well, me. Well, and the the, what? the the funny thing is, and I'm sure you were going to talk about this when you talk about all the the, the trivia stuff, but get into he it, yeah. turned down this role. Yeah. He he offered to produce it, but he turned down this role because he didn't think he he was right for the part. I can't remember who he said he'd rather see, but eventually they wore him down and like you got to play this. Yeah, and he's like, okay, I'll play it. And Charlie Kaufman wrote it at he didn't have other act. It, it is it was Malkovich all along. <laughs> and just think about that, like so, John Malkovich is not at this time he wasn't like super super famous. Like he's fam- it's pro- it's like he's that, a theatrical you, actor. He's, right, he's more Broadway than he is. Um, I would say big screen. Right. And so to write this specifically for John Malkovich. Except for the awkward exchange going back to where when he's waiting for Maxine. Right. And the patron of the restaurant comes up and he's like, hey, you're John Malkovich. Right. Right. Man, I really liked how you played that. That retard. retard. (laughs) What? Because my cousin, my cousin's a retard. And I really like your portrayal (laughs) on the big screen. And all his, he's like, thank you. He does like his response is fantastic because yeah. he's like, thank you. But and I'm also, sure that's how he responds. But it feels so real. Right. You know, right. it and, does. An awkward for them. I feel it, it's actually a good it's a great scene to sympathize for actors. Right. Because you're like, why? What are people Be- Because doing? I'm sure people are like all the that time. All the time. Like just say the most insensitive, terrible things. Or just like the weirdest moments where like I can only imagine what it would be. I think it's weird. That people like go up and like something even less, a little less subtle. Like, could I get a photo? So at a restaurant. So, so I I go to a lot of concerts, right? And uh, we went to to see this guy Amigo the Devil, and he's notoriously nice. Like he stays after the shows and he meets all the fans, and he does this on every tour date. And it's got to be 
just terrible because you hours after the show you're still like shaking hands taking pictures but we were about to meet him and there's this girl going on and on about how her, her his music changed her life and she and just essentially being uh uh claire from misery like i'm your number one fan type right. of thing you know and getting you, all kathy bates on it exactly and think of how many times they got to deal with this and this is a set aside time to meet the fans imagine exactly. being a super famous actor sitting there at dinner with your family or whoever and people are coming up and doing that to you all the time isn't that weird i don't understand they feel like they because they have a personal connection with your work that they are it's okay for them to do that but it's still so weird it doesn't make any sense to me i i do i look Actors have a great life, especially. Well, I should rephrase that. Depends on what what right. stage of acting you're in and right. what level. But nonetheless, like that's a weird thing, mm -hmm. you know. And I think what my point is is like in that scene, and like you were alluding to with your experience, is that it it makes you sympathize for sure in a way for sure. And so, but it's 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 an awkward scene. But going back now, you know. It, Maxine and, and uh, Malkovich are getting it on, making out on the couch, furthering the, right. the consummating the relationship with Lottie inside right, of Malkovich. Right. And she asks, can I call you Lottie? He's like, I guess. <laughs> I guess. Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> so they consummate it. And, and so now Maxine has had sex with Malkovich, but with Lottie inside. Right. And you're like, where did this is? We keep saying this, but like, how do you come up with this? It's it's bizarre. Concept. He, it's so great. I just it's it's fantastic. You just have to be in the weirdest headspace. Lottie comes home. And 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 uh, uh, Craig is like down and depressed, sulking, sulking. <laughs> and he knows. And you were in him, weren't yeah, you? Yeah. And and you kind of you see, were with her. You kind you kind of <laughs> see a little. As soon as she opens the door, you see a little bit of pity. That she feels for him, just for a second, for about 0.5 right, seconds. Right, exactly. But yeah, he's just sulking on the couch. He feels so bad like, that dude, you started all of this. Yeah, all of it. And if he just feels so bad, yeah, he's like, <laughs> "You were with him, with her." <laughs> oh my god! And he feels bad for himself because he he badly desires to be Lottie in Malkovich. Right. right. It's so strange. <laughs> It's so good. Is this the part where he goes nuts? Not yet. Okay. We're not quite there yet. Damn but it. we're going to get there okay. so we can get get it moving so we're not going too long on it. But so Lottie comes home. Uh, Craig is sulking. And then just to, to kind of get us moving forward, some things spiral. Craig starts getting out of control. He mm -hmm. starts feeling it. He's getting upset and pissed off. Yeah. That that Lottie is going into Malkovich and, <laughs> and having sex it, with Max, think Maxine. It, think about this. Craig has been lusting after Maxine. Yeah, from from the get go. From the second he saw her, yeah, he's been planning to cheat on his wife. Every <laughs> every attempt that he has tried to make, every pass he's tried to make at Maxine has failed. It seemed like things were going well, and he may have a chance because he was assertive. But then he opened his mouth and told her that he's a puppeteer, so immediately cut off. But now, in comes his wife and just immediately starts banging her, immediately. <laughs> And so he's just going And nuts. also now shows no interest in Craig. And now, yeah. She's like, I'm done with Craig. His safety girl doesn't give a shit about him anymore. And the concept of the story is like his character just spirals downward. Exactly. <clears throat> we'll kind of move into a scene where it really exemplifies 
Craig's distraught mm-hmm. and lost his mind. Because <laughs> it's pretty funny. Too. Lottie returns, uh, and ultimately, <laughs> Craig is hiding under the table. And we're jumping a little, but just to move it sure. forward, he's and he's, he's under the table. Something. He <laughs> with a gun. <laughs> She comes in and he basically sneak attacks Lottie. And he charges her. Charges he her. Charges grabs her. Grabs her, throws her on the ground, pins her. Well, and the, I think the, the funniest part to me in this whole scene is when she says something like, Is that a real gun? And he goes, Yeah, and I don't really know how to use it. So I wouldn't make any sudden movements. Sudden movements. And she immediately bolts. Yeah. Just immediately. And it's just it's just a great <laughs> This is what I mean when I when I say it gets dark, but yeah. I still love it. Yeah, I mean, it gets dark. Hilarious. He's he's on the verge of like threatening and killing and domestically abusing his wife. <laughs> yeah, he's trying to. And, and but he gets her back. He pins her down. He makes her call Maxine. Yeah. And say, "Meet me in Malkovich." <laughs> yep. In uh, and so and so ultimately, what they they do that, and and Maxine they they figure out a time, but before. Before that, it's all part of Craig's plan. Mm-hmm. Craig's like, meet me in Malkovich. And after they set the meeting time, after they closed the JM Incorporated, that's the, 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 mm-hmm. the, the business, he locks up his wife in a cage. <laughs> in Elijah the monkey's in cage. In Elijah the monkey's cage. Tapes her mouth. Tapes her mouth with duct tape, Ties rope. With... It's like, oh, shit, it's, it's getting serious. On. right. But it's all for the fact that he wants to be in Malkovich and have sex with Maxine. Right. And he does. And he succeeds. And it's amazing for him. For him, it's so good that now Craig the puppeteer is the human puppeteer. <laughs> because I don't even remember what happened, but Malkovich is so good. Like the real John Malkovich is so good because he just like bursts out this crazy ass Well, sound. before that... It's inner dialogue, inner dialogue of Craig talking. Uh So he's in Malkovich and you hear Craig talking to Malkovich saying, move hand across right Right, breast. Right, right, (laughs) right. Left hand across right breast. Right, right. And then he he does it. Yeah. And you're like, oh shit, Craig is manipulating the, he's puppeteering Malkovich. Uh And then it goes to that thing where he blurts out, uh, because Maxine's like, Oh, Lottie, is that you? And she's like, I love you or whatever. And Craig's, I love you too. I love you. (laughs) (laughs) And Malkovich has to be Craig. Right. Trying to be Malk. It's just this crazy amalgamation of characters. And then, and then of course, Malkovich says, that wasn't me. I didn't say that. Yeah. And so now he's starting to get paranoid. It freaks him out. He's starting to get paranoid. He actually stops. He's like, that wasn't me. And she's like, oh, honey, that was just your passion taking over. He's like, I know my passion. (laughs) I know what my passion is. Oh my god! And Malkovich leaves completely distraught. Yeah, because he's now realizing that there's something in him that's causing but, him to do these. But things. don't worry, because his buddy Charlie Sheen's going to help him out. <laughs> and this is the best cameo. This, this ever. cameo is one of the best cameos because it's ever. Charlie Sheen being Charlie Sheen. Oh my gosh! Especially what we know about him now. Oh yeah. Like even back then, we didn't Tiger I mean, Blood all the way. Right. We we knew that he, uh, he he was probably living a fun lifestyle. Winning. Yeah, winning. But this is before the winning. This is before I know, but all th- of that in this shit. scene, he's winning. He is winning all the way. Malkovich has gone crazy. He's basically uh, just he. Malkovich is just divulging everything. He's so concerned right. about this idea that that wasn't me. Something caused me to do this thing. And then Charlie Sheen and him start this dialogue about, 
how it could be Lottie could be a former lover, and then it leads into like Lottie could be or uh, Maxine could be a witch, right? And and Charlie's Charlie's like even better, even better (laughs) witches. He's like, wait a minute, were you smoking? Were you on? Were you high? And he's like, yeah, of course, of I, course was I was high. Of course I was high. That has nothing to do <laughs> that with it. That right. has everything to do with it. <laughs> so Charlie Sheen's just chalking it up to, to weed. Um, but but Malkovich knows something's not uh-huh. right. And that cameo is fantastic, like you mentioned. It's so fun. It's so good. Charlie Sheen on Charlie Sheen. Yeah. Um, and that's the thing. Like, you know, did did Kaufman write that? I know. He I had know. to have. He had to have. It's like, what is what is going on? Malkovich is so concerned, though, that he follows Maxine. So the next night, he's like, "Where's this girl going? I gotta do some investigate in some. I gotta do some research." And he gets into their company. JM Inc. is the name of their company. Yes, infiltrates his way in, and just, he's got a hat on. Like a, <laughs> that'll disguise him. <laughs> that'll disguise. Him. And he's going through like there's a line of people, right? And they're like what is he's like what is this place and they're like this is where you get to be john malkovich for 200 clams <laughs> 200 clams <laughs> and he he starts moving up the line and everyone's like no budding no budding right. in line <laughs> and he a whole falls ruckus over. ensues a whole ruckus ensues because he's skipping the line right it reminds me a quick side note it reminds me in 1999 when i stayed in 27 hours out in front of a theater for star wars oh my god for phantom oh Menace. god Right, me and my buddies. I was not, I was eighteen, seventeen. I was Phantom a, Menace. I was a senior in high school. Layoff. No, no, I understand that. I'm just thinking of what a disappointment but, oh, that yeah. had to be when you uh, you waited outside for 27 hours and you got that piece of shit. But there was a line of over 2,000 people, literally waiting, and what we were there for the first 10 hours, and we started to see people budding in line. Oh, and my buddy, oh. my friend oh. Eric, from the back, you hear him, you hear him go. Scrape them off. <laughs> and no joke, everyone sees them budding, and you get hundreds of people going, scrape them off. Scrape oh, my God. Them. And, and the security came and pulled them out of the line. That's scary. The point is, this is a ruckus that ensues. There's a line of 200 people at the Malkovich portal, and Malkovich is skipping the Wait. line, and everyone's pissed. I can't. I, I got I to gotta ask. Okay? Dude, it was crazy. I, I got to ask. The Star Wars line. So... 27 hours you walked out of the theater what did you think initially i was fine with it oh really yeah because you're you got blinders on true true so you're so amped you're up getting, with you're getting you're getting adrenaline right and you've been doing this thing you're like yeah okay all right right okay later more an, <laughs> more analysis comes Real, to play. reality sit in a little <laughs> bit <laughs> and i'm actually not as hard on it at the prequels as most people uh, the first one was terrible. I'm not. The I'm other not, two are. I like the third one actually. I I think the stories are fine. I just mm-hmm. think the execution's horrible. Yeah. I yeah. think the story is fine in terms of the storyline. The midichlorians is one thing, but beyond that, well, the best part of the movie. I mean, I, we we won't turn this into a Star Wars <laughs> thing, but it can, the best part of the movie, Darth Maul is is like gone. Like there's, he's not even in it. Darth Maul is the best part of the movie. Right. Uh, but nonetheless, the Malkovich line is similar. Like people are in a ruckus. They're like. He gets pushed over, shoved over. His hat falls off. It's revealed that Malkovich is at right. the Malkovich portal, and everyone's like, huh. and Craig runs up and's like, "Mr. Malkovich, right this way, sir. Right this way, sir." <laughs> he brings him right up to the portal, closes the door, and the, Malkovich is distraught because he sees Maxine, and he's like, "What the hell is going on right, here?" Right. It is Malkovich Town. I love his delivery, and 
and he's and she he basically says, "Well, sir, <laughs> we have a a portal, a simulator of sorts, a simulator of uh, being you." And he's like, "What are you talking about?" And Maxine's all like, "She's once again playing the whole thing." Right. She's like, "Just let him try, Craig. Let him go through the portal." And so he opens the door, and sure enough, Malkovich goes through the portal. And one of the greatest scenes. My mind. Uh, popped a fuse like it just it's, exploded it was bizarre <laughs> the thing it just tripped me out so bad seeing children with john malkovich's face children and and boobs with malkovich's yeah. face and the everything's malkovich they can't say any other word everything's with the insinuation of malkovich, malkovich. And, and when he yells out malkovich <laughs> God, this thing is what the fuck? Or when it cuts Charlie to him, Charlie Kaufman, what the fuck have you done? Or when it cuts to him on the piano and he's dressed um, in the nightgown <laughs> and he's singing in a in a crooner voice, Malkovich. And you know what? Props to him for doing this because there's a lot of weird stuff in here where he's really putting himself out there. That scene, and then also not only that, yes, and the writing of like Kaufman, where are you going with this? Right. this but then also, once again, you go fall back to the execution of how Spike shoots it. And you're like, it's right. so well done. It is. It really is. But he travels into a portal of himself, and he's surrounded in a world of just Malkovich's everywhere. Uh -huh. And it's so funny. He gets spit out onto the New Jersey Turnpike. Yeah. Schwartz is there waiting for him. Malkovich is furious. That was no simulation. That was not a simulation. <laughs> no man should ever see what I just saw. Oh my God. Can you imagine being in right now like you like you're me? That's my worst nightmare. Like, that is my yourself? worst nightmare. Isn't that it would be oh, so crazy? Uh -uh. And Malkovich is like, that is my head, Schwartz. <laughs> it's so funny. It's like with all due respect, I found the portal. <laughs> with, with all due, yeah, it's he, my it's head. My, <laughs> and then he's like, I will see you in court. He's like, not if I see you seeing me in court <laughs> yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. You're like, oh, my gosh, this thing, the complexity just grows. Um, well, and then the, the dude driving by with and, and I, I saw this thing that says that this was a uh, uh, just a drunk extra. So this is the story, and I don't know if I believe it. So uh, the guy drives by and yells Malkovich and yeah. throws and hits a can. Yeah, so, so a car's driving by. On the New Jersey on the, Turnpike. On the New Jersey Turnpike. And a guy pops out the passenger side window and says, Hey, Malkovich, think fast. And he hits him directly in the back of the head with a beer can. <laughs> and the story is that this was a drunk extra, and they snuck beer onto the set. And uh, they ended up doing it and spike jones loved it so much that they kept it in and now the guy's got a sag card because he has a line in a movie and but the thing is it was shot too well you could hear him too well and we could have they could have dubbed that though. they could have for sure but it the the throw was just so dead on and malkovich's reaction was not that of surprise like it was, it's frustrating. I felt he says, "Fuck." Yeah, he does. But you would think if you're on a set and something like that happens, you're gonna pop around, and be like, "What the hell just happened?" Yeah, you're like, so, "Yeah." So I don't know if that, that happened. I'm get, I'm guessing maybe there was a mistake, and Spike Jones like, "All right, let's do it again." Yeah. You know, so yeah, yeah. it wasn't the spur of the moment thing, but, but still, it's a cool story. It's funny, right? It's it's hilarious. And if the guy got a sad card, like all the better for him. <laughs> Seriously, he's just an extra. He gets drunk and he walks out with a sad card. But we walk away, Malkovich is in his own head. Right. And we're like, 
<laughs> oh, it's so good. Um, things just spiral out of control. It goes back. Craig has discovered that he can manipulate Malkovich. Mm-hmm. He's discovered that he ha- can puppeteer a human. Right. You're like, what? And <clears throat> he comes back and Lottie's in the cage and he feels bad. He does. But then all of a sudden he f- flips on a dime and doesn't feel bad again. Well, and, and they have their little heart to heart. Yeah. And Craig's like, what the fuck am I doing with my life? I'm, you know, he's yeah. like sobbing. Yeah. And she's like, she's like, you're not a bad person. And I gotta, I gotta go to the bathroom and take a shower. And he opens the cage and she's just like, finally. And you think that he's going to let her out. But right. No, it's, no. it's Maxine getting another phone call. Maxine's getting another call. Cause Craig wants to go back. And he says, <laughs> I did it. I've done it. I, <laughs> I ran Malkovich's hand across your girlfriend's glory's tit. <laughs> it's only a matter of time before I can control his whole body. Oh, my God. And so you, he's actually playing Lottie because he, he's saying he's a bad man. Right. He opens the cage. He gets Lottie to call. He sets another. And you know what? In a twisted way, that is actual character growth. That's yeah. a character arc right there. Yeah, he's gaining a little confidence. He is. And as a result of gaining the confidence, he's now controlling. He's becoming the thing he's always wanted exactly. to be. Exactly, exactly. Once again, we go back to the writing style, the structure, and like everything matters. Like Kaufman does not miss. There's no holes. No. You know, there's right. just not. Right. You know? Um, but he, he sets it back up. But in the meantime, as he's going back to... He's going back... He's going back to try again to, to, to puppeteer Malkovich and be with Maxine. Uh, Lottie's in the cage. Yep. And he, she's with Elijah. <laughs> and this is where this Elijah's, shot. Elijah's tri- childhood, childhood trauma, trauma comes, trauma comes back. Oh, my God. And it does a flashback in the, in the jungle of his parents getting trapped by trappers. Oh, my God. And... And he runs down, and it's all with a, <clears throat> a POV cam from Elijah's perspective. Mm-hmm. He runs up to real chimps, like, and they have subtitled dialogue. <laughs> Monkey subtitled. That says, hurry and let us out. Elijah, Elijah, save us before they come back. And he can't untie them. But he can't untie the, not, the, the, the knot, uh, the rope. They've right. tied rope around their wrists. He can't untie it. He's unsure how to do it. And it flat, it cuts back to Elijah in the cage, and he's looking at the rope on Lottie's hands, oh and she, and he's like shaking his head. He's like, I can't, he's reliving the trauma. Right, right. And he reaches down, and he un, he's able to 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 do it this time. Yep. And he unties Lottie. <laughs> and Elijah, so he's, he's gotten over his childhood trauma. <laughs> Elijah's complex character arc is now complete. That's he's, right. He's conquered his demons. He's conquered. No more psychotherapy. <laughs> oh, gosh. It's hilarious. It's just so great. And so he frees, he frees up Lottie. Oh, my gosh. It's so funny. It's amazing. Um, and then so, so Lottie just calls and confesses, not confesses, but says, hey, that's not me. It's not me. And Maxine, at this point, once again, manipulates because she's like, wait a minute, Craig's been in there? And she's impressed, and because Craig, but, but she's impressed because Craig can. She's starting to realize Craig can control right Malkovich, right. which means, and she even says it. She says Craig can control Malkovich, and I can control Craig. Exactly, exactly. 
Well, and the part where she comes over and Malkovich doesn't want to let her in. <laughs> and she, I can't remember what she says, but she gets him to open the door, and that's all. That's all she needs. Yeah. And then he does the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> Craig, is that you? Yeah. <laughs> it's just the way John Malkovich plays Malkovich. Just, playing it's Craig. just unbelievable. It's great. The concept of the story moving forward is essentially that <clears throat> now that Maxine knows that that Craig is inside Malkovich, <clears throat> he can actually he's figured out a way to basically stay mm-hmm. inside of Malkovich and control Malkovich. And now, like we mentioned before, Maxine, in her conniving way, says, "I can control Craig. I'm I own John Malkovich." Right, in right. A sense, and the way John Malkovich again plays. John Cusack character the way he plays Craig is so it's just it's it's a great performance there's a scene where speaking to that where uh Craig aka Malkovich and Maxine have had sex and and you hear Craig tell Maxine I think I found a way to con- to control him and do and he'll never leave and she's like why don't and she tells Craig well, you're a puppeteer. Why don't you do a dance for me? Oh, this whole that whole dance is... And it's the dance, and Malkovich does the dance, or I should say Craig does the dance inside Malkovich. Right. But the dance is the dance at the beginning right. of the, the very first scene of the film, right? It's that same scene with Craig doing the puppet, but now he's doing it in real life. And now he's doing it shirtless with just a blanket... A wrapped around his waist with just this overly dramatic. And this is why I'm saying like props to to John Malkovich for doing this movie because he's really putting himself out there. So funny. It's amazing. He basically is now in Malkovich Mm -hmm. and Lottie is distraught now. She goes back to visit Dr. Lester. And Dr. Lester, because she knew, remember, when she saw the shrine. Right. She knew that there was some kind of tie. Mm Mm-hmm. And now Craig's in Malkovich permanently, and she goes back to Lester and starts explaining to this thing. And then we get a little concept about the Malkovich portal yeah. through Dr. Lester. Um, he starts to reveal to Lottie about this, these, these vessels right where you can continue to live well and he says i'm not dr lester he and, and part of that is that he says i'm yeah he i'm not dr lester i'm captain merton right so he's the guy from the orientation video mm-hmm. and um he's been living in dr lester the last so so many years and what they found out was that malkovich is their next vessel right but you can only enter the vessel to stay in it permanently unless you're craig right craig's a puppeteer Cause, cause he's a puppeteer uh, you can only go into the vessel on their 44th birthday. So they had been priming Malkovich to go in. He had been priming to go into that. As a, what I as didn't a, understand, though, was how can he bring all these people with him? Because he introduces Lottie to all these people, and they're all planning to go inside Malkovich. Are they all vessels, or are they just regular people? I My uh, thought is that they're just... So Dr. Lester was formerly Captain Merton. Mm-hmm. The other people that he's going to bring in, when he indru- introduces Lottie to this other group of old people, it's just friends that he's made. 
that he's now said we'll we'll all go into together into the vessel. But I I still don't understand how that works. Is there one person controlling? I, well, they all. It's a collaborative. My guess is that it's a collaborative okay. effort, right? Okay. Everybody's there consciously and has to kind of make decisions together. Okay, is, is the thought. Cool. So they're still living forward in life, right? But they're right. doing it as a what's the word? A, a cohesive unit. Okay, if that makes sense. <clears throat> But the concept is we now know that there are these vessels and Malkovich is a vessel. And the goal of Lester was to use Malkovich to continue living. Mm -hmm. And now he's explained all this to Lottie. And now the group, uh, including Dr. Lester and all his friends, have invited Lottie to enter the vessel of Malkovich on his 44th birthday. The problem is they can't enter it because Craig's too powerful. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He controls Malkovich. Yep. Right. And... Kind of moving forward, it's this great thing where John Malkovich, this scene where he goes to his agent. Oh, it's great. He goes to his agent and and he's like, I don't want to be known as an actor anymore. I don't want to be an actor. I want to be a puppeteer. I want to be known as a puppeteer. Agent's like, yeah. Yeah, we can make, just make a few calls. Cool. Yeah. No problem. <laughs> and then it does this funny thing where it flashes forward like nine months. And over that course of time, in the media and in the everything surrounding Craig's life, he's become this artistic, masterful puppeteer. Right, right. He's essentially, in many ways, become Derek Mantini, the person that Craig idolized right. at the beginning of the film. And he's now reached his goal to be an elite, famous puppeteer. Yep. But as John Malkovich. Mm-hmm. This compilation of video is so funny. It shows, it shows Craig or Malkovich sit down and watch. He's on like on a, it's not 60 minutes. I can't remember what it is, but it's one of those, you know, news right, programs right, where right. they do little stories on, right. on stars and celebrities. And they're doing one on Malkovich. <laughs> and, and they're talking about his transformation from actor to a renowned puppeteer. Right. And it has all these celebrities in there. Sean Penn's in there. Sean he's like, Penn's- I don't want to do it too soon. <laughs> I don't want to transfer, you know, transition too soon to a puppeteer because it seems it seem like I'm just following. They don't. They're gonna call me a copycat. Yeah, yeah, gonna call me copycat. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> but but the way they set it up in this newsreel is that Malkovich is this hugely famous yeah. person from a puppeteer standpoint, and he's teaching classes at like high-end universities like Juilliard oh and puppeteering yeah. and like doing big shows and puppeteering and like it's just so good right it's so fun to watch the the exposition of this build of this character as a puppeteer and then the other cameos in that little build up in the newsreel the Brad Pitt Brad one Pitt. oh my god it's um, so good just that one look he gives and yeah and uh David Fincher yeah uh but- director David Fincher um, who's one of the critics or something from the, the LA Times or something. But this reel is so is so fun. It's so creatively done. And it gives exposition. And what we learn is that Craig, a.k.a. Mm-hmm. Malkovich, is uh, now uh, married to Maxine. Maxine. And as Craig's watching, or Malkovich is watching this newsreel, it cuts to a, a scene back in the bedroom of their of their home, and it shows Maxine uh, constructing or kind of putting together right. a nursery. She's pregnant. Right. 
<clears throat> and, and she's also got the Lottie doll. She has the Lottie doll. So now she's reflecting on how she really liked Lottie. Right. And so it's this twisted thing of relationships. Right, right. Where she thought she wanted... It's a bizarre triangle. A bizarre... That's the most bizarre triangle. Yeah. <laughs> that ever existed. That ever existed. And so Craig has a performance. And, and it, Malkovich as Craig in that scene so funny when... He's watching the newsreel, and then he's talking to Maxine in the back, and he's like, I got to go do the benefit. Right. I got to do – he's doing a puppeteer show, a big, uh, extravagant puppeteer show. He's like, I think I look good. I, I look good. He's talking about the newsreel. But how Malkovich performs it is so <laughs> he's funny. He's just so – And then he's like, man, I at least could have couldn't have gotten into a younger, yeah, yeah. stronger body. What if, what if I fall and break my knee yeah. or something like that? <laughs> and he goes to this, this event – and does this extravagant, once again, kind of simulating mm -hmm. Derek Mantini. He's like the new. And uh, while he's gone, he's going to come back and celebrate his 44th birthday with Maxine. But when he gets home, Maxine's gone. And he gets a call. And the call is Dr. Lester. And he's like, we've kidnapped your fucking oh wife. Oh, my God. You better get out of Malkovich now. <laughs> Trying to be so intimidating. He keeps trying to be yeah. so intimidating and 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 Craig is even like, but if I get out of Malkovich now, I'll just be Craig Schwartz. We got your wife. <laughs> and he's like, We got your wife. And and so he he doesn't immediately get out. He goes and actually starts like <clears throat> he's he has a drink. Yeah. yeah. He's trying to figure out what to do. Yeah. And in the meantime, they have captured Maxine yeah. and kind of tied her up. And Lottie and Dr. Lester and all of their friends are at the portal because they're ready to get into the yep. vessel during the, the birthday or at the birthday. And Lottie flips because she really does like Maxine. Right. And she sees Maxine pregnant, but she feels betrayed by Maxine. Mm -hmm. And she just randomly pulls out a Craig gun and is like, <laughs> you know. <clears throat> and then she, they, they go into Malkovich and they have a chase through his subconscious. This way this is filmed is so fun to watch. It is. It really is. And so dark and twisted and like it going through subconscious of like him getting teased by kids right, in elementary, right. being bullied, him beating himself up in the sense of like, I'm a bad kid. I'm a right, bad kid. Right. Him smelling and sniffing women's underwear. Oh my God. Him on a couch with another woman and the woman says, you're weird. <laughs> and this is, this is a lot, it, very uh, reminiscent of... Uh, Eternal Mind for the wait, Eternal Sunshine. Eternal Sunshine for the, the spotless, spotless mind. mind. Obviously, another Charlie Kaufman script. Yeah, and so you can see kind of a little bit of that. But it was just fun the way Spike Jones filmed it. it. It's great. It's a great scene. It's so well put together. But essentially, what's happening is that Lottie is chasing Maxine through Malkovich's subconscious, right. wanting to kill her. Yeah, because you said if I can't have you, I don't. No, no one, one else will. Yeah, right. Then it cuts to the New Jersey Turnpike, and the two of them fly out. Mm -hmm. And it's this rain, and they're on the New Jersey Turnpike. They've come out of the consciousness of Malkovich. And, and, and now Maxine's almost feeling a little bit of warmth towards Lottie and right. wanting to tell her the truth. And they're like, you know, th then she drops the bomb. <laughs> and she says to Lottie, it's yours. The baby's yours. This this just sums up the entire movie. I got pregnant while you were in Malkovich. Right. You're the father. <laughs> Mother, whatever. Yeah, yeah. It's it's perfect. I love it. It's I love a, it too. Sums up 
everything. I'm like, what? Because when you first watch it, you don't expect that. Right, right. And then you start, <laughs> oh my gosh. It's insane. So Lottie and Maxine are the parents of the baby inside Maxine. Right. From the perspective and, of. And meanwhile, uh, <laughs> Malkovich calls up Dr. Lester and he's like, all right, I'll get out. I'll get out of him. I'll do it. Craig, Craig's like, I'll because get out of him. Because he does love Maxine. He does. He's infatu- or he's at least infatuated right. with her. And so he, he gets out of Malkovich, pops out of the on the side of the New, New Jersey Turnpike and sees Only to see Maxine and Lottie hugging and like reconciling right. their, their relationship. They get someone to pull over and I love this. They get in the car and they're like, He's not with us. Just go. Just go. Just go. <laughs> and Craig's left in the rain, right, right. isolated and alone, and yelling for Maxine, I right. love you. Right. He like wants to, you know. The goal that he had in the beginning is still there. He still he did it. Yep. He got Adam Malkovich for her. And even after he sees his wife and Maxine Ugh. leaving, he still wants everything's Maxine. a struggle. Every he never wins. No, nope, he, he never wins. Even when he won, he didn't win. Now that he's out of Malkovich, then uh, Doctor Lester and his little crew can now enter yep. the subconscious of Malkovich. Yep, and they do, and um, and then. In the in the slightest little turn at the end, uh, we know that because Maxine's baby, aka Malkovich's baby, aka what's the uh, Lottie's baby, right? Like whatever, how you look at it, is the seed of Malkovich, right? So she is also a portal. The baby's all the, the baby's kid. The kid is right. also a portal, and it cuts to this scene where. It's it's Lottie and Maxine at a pool with a child, which is obviously their kid, it's like seven or eight years old, little girl, and they're having a good it, family it's, time. It's a happy. It's family. a happy family, right? And then the last scene, the girl wants to go swimming, and while she, before she jumps into the swimming pool, it shows her look look over at her mom's, right, and it cuts to a POV shot. It's, it's Craig's voice, and it's Craig's voice. So he's inside the portal because he went in the portal. Mm-hmm. He's now in the child. And you hear Craig say, Maxine, <laughs> look away, look away. <laughs> <laughs> and then poor it, guy. And then it's a roll credit. Yep. This film, Alan, I feel like we've just <clears throat> been through a whirlwind. I know that we didn't we didn't even cover everything uh-uh. that we wanted to. That's the this is this is a film that could be two podcasts long. Oh, totally. I'm just making sure we still have time we're on still, the camera. We're still rolling. How would yeah. I? We'll, we'll we'll sum it up here. But this is a this is a <clears throat> this could be a two podcaster. Oh, for sure, for sure. But I love the movie. I think it's evident. The whole time, all we did was just rant and rave. Right, how great right. It was. Give me your. How many times you've kind of seen the film and kind of where you rate it? Uh, kind of your summation. Well, of it. it's weird, and I, I can't tell you why. But I've seen the first half like five times. And for whatever reason, I just never finished it. I don't know if just something came up. I just don't know why. Because it's not like I wasn't interested. I never would have turned this off by choice. So I'm not sure why. But um, this is the first time I've seen it all the way through. And I just, man, I just fucking love this movie. I just, I just love this movie. I love everything about it. The writing, the direction, the acting. I think everyone's fantastic in it. Uh, I even like Elijah the Chimp. Like, I, it's just, it's such. Elijah the Chimp's great. It's just 
my type of movie. I can't explain it any more than that. Um, I'm not a I'm not a very high grader typically, so uh, I have Texas Chainsaw Massacre at a nine because that's my favorite movie. I can't put it quite there. Can't get it. Up I'm there. going eight, eight and a half. It's pretty good though. Eight, eight and, and a half. half's pretty good. Eight yeah. and a half. What? Eight, eight and a half. Oh, I got to think about that. Um, eight and a half puppets. Okay. All right. I'll go with it. Eight and a half puppet strings. So here's a here's a couple things that we'll throw out there that are fun, some fun factoids, and uh, we'll jump into the ratings first, actually. So the uh, <clears throat> IMDb, IMDb's got this at 7.7 out of 10. Um, Rotten Tomatoes is a 93% wow. from the critics and an 87% from uh, the audience, right? Uh, the Roger uh, Ebert score, which, by the way, 93% is pretty good That's for critics. That's very good, yeah. Um, the Roger Ebert score, <clears throat> he's got it at a 4 out of 4, right? Um, and so everybody's kind of coming in hot on these ratings. A couple of facts, a couple of fun little tidbits um, that I thought were interesting and some that I did some research on. Uh Charlie Kaufman um, uh, said the only choice uh, to play the to play the title was was Malkovich always for sure. Um, he's in for sure. And Kaufman said it wouldn't have worked in my mind with anybody else. Yeah, it was just like the forward thinking of like knowing that John Malkovich is the right character for mm. this and how it plays together so well. What's interesting about the script is that it gets sent. It finds its way to Francis Ford Coppola. Oh, really? Yeah, one of the biggest directors wow. of all time, right? He reads it and he goes, eh, "It's not for me." But at the time, Coppola, Coppola, he got it. He I got cannot, his hands on this. I script. cannot picture him even being in the realm of the right director for this. But when he first read the script, it, it wasn't his thing, right? But he got it. And what ended up happening was that Spike Jones is married to Sofia Coppola from those from like ninety eight to two thousand. Oh, I didn't know that. They were married. I didn't know that. So as a result. Jones, it's his former father-in-law now, but at the time it was his father-in-law. Mm -hmm. So he's like, this is right up Spike's alley. Yeah. So he gave him the script. He called uh, Malkovich on Spike's behalf because at this point um, Spike had committed with Kaufman to make the mm -hmm. movie. And so they used the father-in-law card yeah. to, oh, get, yeah, to sure. get Malkovich on the phone. Malkovich wondered if he had somehow wronged Kaufman in the past. <laughs> The two had never. Oh the two had never met. That's, they had never met. That's great. That's great. <laughs> How do you write this? You've never even met the person. Well, and this is the thing that's so wonderful. One of the many things that's so wonderful about this movie. Malkovich is like a a, a classic theater actor doing Shakespeare and stuff like that, and then he's doing like. How do you? That's why I love him. It's exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I don't care how much prodding and pushing it took. He still took this role. It's interesting, too, that Coppola has a role in helping the movie kind of gain momentum. It's pretty cool. It's pretty it's cool. It's pretty cool. Um, all the studios were like, no. Yeah. No, thank you. Yeah. Uh, Robert Shea at New Line, who did all the Nightmare mm -hmm. series and all those, yep. was like, okay, we'll do it. And then he dropped the project. Um, the day... <laughs> The day after they kind of committed to it, they dropped it because they wanted to know why the movie couldn't be 
being Tom Cruise. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Now, funny enough, Malkovich's first question was, why isn't it Cruise? Right. And I, I could see it. It wouldn't be as good, but I could see it. It wouldn't be as good. You can't have I like Tom a, Cruise, but... You can't have an A-list type of guy. You got to have like a like a Patrick Stewart or a John Malkovich. It's only John Malkovich. Yeah, it's the thing it, about it, it. For sure. It's, for it's sure. Just crazy. But all the studios passed. They didn't get it. They're not giving you money for it. And even and so um, some of the producers including uh, Michael Stipe from REM I saw that. Yeah. I saw he was yeah. credited, he was as, credited a producer. as a producer. So he helped to get the ball rolling. Um, <clears throat> just as a side note, which we talked about before, like the crew also did not recognize Diaz as Lottie. When she was yeah. on set the first day, they were like, who's that? Yeah. They didn't realize it was Cameron Diaz. Um, John Cusack found the script because he asked his agent for an insane one. I like it. He said, he had, William Morris was his agency, and he said, give me something, the, the most unpredictable, crazy thing you've ever seen come across your table. And this was well, it. He got it. He got it. <laughs> and he killed it. It says, he wanted it immediately. I like it. He's like, this is mine. Um, this movie is the reason why I love him so much. Well, it's like we talked about. He yeah. just, he's Craig Schwartz. For sure. For sure. It's crazy. He does such a great job. They found Dr. Lester on a late night talk show. That's the Interesting. actor. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. They saw him on a late night talk show. Uh, Catherine Keener didn't like her own character. Yeah, she I can she see She didn't why. like the character, right. but she plays it great. Right. Um, she got the Best Supporting Actress Oscar nomination. I like that. For her performance. Um, this is the greatest part. You were talking about Malkovich because mm -hmm. he he his thing was like he wanted to push Kaufman and Jones to keep going with the satire. Really, that's what it says. Good for him. His 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 thing was always because they were proud. I bet there's a little nerve about like should we do this? He always his always his thing was always turn it up. I like it. I like <laughs> it. Um, he said, "Who better to make fun of than yourself?" Uh, yep, I agree. <laughs> Your impotence, your vanity, your ridiculousness, and then just say, it's okay. I yep. am ridiculous. Yep. I'm mean. I'm a celebrity. It's sort of like a human sacrifice <laughs> to offer yourself up for ridicule and scorn to make a oh point about God. the society that we live in. And that's one thing we wanted to touch I on I don't briefly. think it was that tough on him. No. He came across as very nice and level-headed. He, he's, he's great. Anybody that can laugh at life and understand that you know what I mean? Yeah. That, I yeah. always love that. The script originally was Kevin Bacon as the buddy, not Charlie Sheen. Works better with Charlie Sheen. It works better. I could still see Kevin Bacon. I could Bacon. see Kevin Bacon, too. And it would still be funny. Right. But Charlie Sheen is better. And actually, Kaufman's choice was to, to do his friend, because they're friends. Oh, are they? Yeah. Charlie so, Sheen? Yeah. So Malkovich was like, let's get Charlie. Yeah. yeah. I like it. Um, we know that David Fincher made an uncredited cameo, one of the greatest directors in modern times, mm -hmm, I would sure. say. Um, you, you mentioned it. It says that the beer can toss was nailed on the first try. Uh, I just but, don't. But, but I don't, we don't, I know, we're not stuck on it. It was too it. perfect. Why would you be rolling on that shot of him walking away? It just doesn't make sense to me. And one of the, the, the coolest things is that Kaufman and Joe's, Jones have just decided not to explain what the movie is. And, what, and that's the question that leads to this last little bit that we'll finish up the podcast here. But it says that they agreed 
the writer and director agreed that uh, Malkovich had his own guess to what, but he says, I think it's about acting, opening the door into a mind of someone else and how escaping your own mind for 15 minutes, you see the beauty and fascination and eroticism, even in the most boring things. I think it's about the need to escape yourself for 15 minutes that everyone feels, but what it's really about is something more sinister. It's the idea that we now lead virtual lives. We live our joys and sorrows and foibles through the lives of public people. It's about the end of art because art has t- uh, has to take uh, a cue from life. That was Malkovich's. And Kaufman and Jones just don't have any explanation. I like that. I, I think that's how it should be. For sure. But for me, like, what do you think it's about? What do you take away from it? Is there a meaning to it? There is. I, I what's honestly this, what's have to so, sit with it a little bit longer. To me, it's really about trying to escape. Yeah. It's, it's that, a, the whole thing, even being locked in a cage. Like, literally, that part is about escaping. And I think that's what that's the overall theme of this movie. This is, and I agree with that. I think it's about the perception that someone else, there's a lot of things. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of subtext, and we could dive into it more sure. deeply. This is why it's a two-podcaster. Yeah. But for the brevity of this ending here, I think it's about the idea that we're not always satisfied with who we are, mm-hmm. and we want to become or do or be somebody else. And oftentimes there's not, there's not really kind of any solid or solidified ending to that. Like it doesn't necessarily make things better. Well, and that actually applies even more today because you see these people on Instagram and all the social media, like portraying their lives as something so glamorous and amazing. And you want to be that and you, you don't feel like you stack up. So yeah, I think you're right analogous position to have more modern in a, in a modern sense with social media and things like yeah. that. Um, and then the, the comment, I think the 15 minutes is, is pretty yeah. on the nose. Yeah. He's like, you get 15 minutes in Malkovich. It's 15 minutes of fame. The mm-hmm. common cliche, uh, love this film. Um, absolutely lit. I told you it's in my top 10 and I mean it. It's um, Charlie Kaufman to me is a modern genius as a writer when it comes to pure creativity. When you write, we talked about adaptation already. Of course, another favorite of mine that's up there is Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. That won an Academy Award for Best Screenplay. Charlie uh, Kaufman also wrote and directed this really great movie called Syndicate New York. Oh, it's really good. It stars Philip Seymour Hoffman. And it's just... I'll have to watch that. It's just, I mean... Have you seen Anomalisa? I have. Is it good? Yeah. Okay. It doesn't stack up for me to some of these others that mm-hmm. we just mentioned, but it's done well. It's like everything he does has has some form of validity. And he, and th- this is stupid, but did you ever watch that show Get a Life with Chris Elliott back in the day? He wrote two episodes. Wow. It was absurd. Yeah, he's the newspaper kid. Ah, I loved you it. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, that's the yeah, right one, That's right? the one. Yeah. I loved it. He wrote two episodes of that. That was oh, where really? he made his start, yeah, back in 91. Yeah, he was a TV writer. Yeah, He wrote a lot of TV. A lot of TV. Yeah, yeah. a lot of TV. And um, I, I, I quickly listened to uh, a BAFTA speech that he did. Yeah. For BAFTA, just a couple minutes before we started this podcast. And he had some really cool things he he's very very humble interesting doesn't surprise me and he basically said i'm here to give a lecture on writing 
and I don't know anything. <laughs> that it, I, I've heard some interviews, and it with wasn't him and that's... in a in a sense of like just saying it. Like right, it was very genuine. Right, for sure. I don't know. Right, you know, and I loved that. And he also just, you know, the common thing that you hear a lot is like just stay true to yourself. Like, don't think too much about what other people are going to perceive it to be, and just write. And yep. this is what you get when you do that. It's, like you just don't give a fuck what other people say. You just I'm writing being John Malkovich. Right. Well, what's that? And people don't understand it. Right. And then you come out with this phen- phenomenal movie. So I think Spike Jones and Charlie Kaufman kill it. Of course, Malkovich is great. John Cusack is fantastic. I told you before. I mean it. It's really, you know, it always changes. Your top ten can change because it's sure. just feeling and emotion. But it's definitely up there for me. And I come in really high on this movie. Nine point five. Wow. Yeah. Because I think it's one that you'll never forget. I can walk out of a movie, and I, there are many, many movies that are forgettable. Sure. You won't forget this You'll movie. You'll never forget this movie. You won't forget right. it. And I think it's an uh, attribution to his, his writing. And I would directing. actually like to hear people who didn't like the movie. I like to hear their reasoning behind yeah. it. Yeah. And I, I imagine a lot of it's going to be because it's too absurdist would be my, my guess. But I, I would love to hear thoughts on that i think it also falls into my personal sense of humor i'm perfectly happy and home at absurd comedy me too me too and and so i think anybody that enjoys those things will love this movie i would say everybody just take a trip down the rabbit hole yeah do it go watch being john malkovich i agree with you if you don't like it bring it and tell me in the comments let's have a discussion about i want to hear too i'm curious what that is because I came in really high, um, and I think the film for me deserves it. Real quick, $13 million budget, $32 million box office. Um, this is a, And also, this is the 20-year anniversary. came out in 1999, or the fall of 99, and we're ending out 99. It's been out for 20 years. And so uh, give it a, go give it a watch and uh, travel down the portal of being John Malkovich. This is the Tame Aperture Podcast. You can check us out online at TameAperture.com and on all streaming platforms. Alan, thanks for uh, going through this one with me. I love it. Thanks for letting me tag along on this one. This is amazing. This is the Tame Aperture Podcast, TameAperture.com, on all streaming platforms. Being John Malkovich, come back next week for another podcast. Take care, everybody. The Tame Aperture Podcast is produced by Dutch Angle Pictures in association with Studio B Productions. Listen, watch and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify and YouTube.